0: From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang on all the Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics.
2: Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier
0: Hysterics.
2: Eric, I want to give you another fact. Please hit me. I love starting with a fact. Tom Allen and Archie Miller are still undefeated since they came on our podcast. Boom. That is true fact, real fact, not
3: fake news. That is 100% verifiable, just like it is verifiable that they are our best friends. Undefeated since becoming our best friends.
2: Well, and I think a big reason all that has happened is because we're all powered by... It's not a tornado It's just Eric doing a siren call You do not need to seek shelter A
4: little vibrato there
2: If you go swimming, which you can do now in your pool, yeah. how long can you hold your breath underwater? You know what? I do do this, and I time myself. I can get to a minute 10. I, I would have said 90 seconds because well, I, feel I, could, like, yeah. I feel like these siren calls go on for four or five minutes. They do. <laughs> <It's>, it, it, <laughs> it
3: is, like, it is like, uh, like inception. You know, like a, a minute here in the peak siren call is actually three days in the real world.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, going through the, exactly the closet right. in Narnia, same thing. All right, let's we got we got a
3: we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Like the first thing is let's just touch on Tom Allen since you mentioned it being undefeated and the Indiana football program. How fun was it watching the game against Rutgers knowing that we're good enough that we should beat them, but the game is
2: extremely meaningful. It it is a paradigm shift, which we have not experienced, which I'm not saying I'm all the way there yet because I am watching the other scores of the other games, but we're Indiana and we have been for our whole lifetime. And so how can I not show up on Saturday really anxious that we're gonna revert to the mean and then just watch us handle them. It got a little crazy at the end, but it felt like we were in control the whole time. It felt like it used to reversed where like we might be in a game or be kind of hanging around, but you're like, no, but this team's better and we're going to get worn down and you could just feel it. We were just going to lose. But a game like Saturday with all this at stake with us now favored and having all these great expectations, I never got too nervous. Wow. I, I did get
3: nervous. Like when our first drive was three and out, like I was just like, but it, but the difference was it felt like we are better than them. Like I felt like I knew that. And it felt like just give Penix the ball and let him throw it. He can pick these guys apart. And ultimately that is what happened. You know, the old adage, that's why the game is 60 minutes. A couple of drives here and there like you said, makes us Indiana fans feel like one One bad drive is, oh, here we go again. But it felt like just get the ball back and Penix is going to hit a bomb. He's going to pick them apart. He's got a cannon for an arm. That defense is playing incredibly well. They are tackling well. A couple missed tackles, but they are, for the, in large part, in the open field, tackling well, attacking, flying all over the field. It is fun. To watch, and it is fun to get on Twitter after the game and just soak in as much as you can of clips going out, highlight reels, people's commentary, articles. It's just great, and we got Michigan on Saturday.
2: I, I, I I'm like, I'm just sort of numb. I'm not like, yeah, we got this, or oh God, I'm afraid. It's sort of our history and our present kind of balance themselves out in my emotions. So I'm just going to kind of park myself down on Saturday and hope for the best.
3: Yeah. See what happens. I mean, look, I'm glad though. Michigan is favored in the game,
2: but what by three and a half?
3: Yeah. The, the latest line, it might've changed by the time this airs, but I like that. And I hope Alan is using that as a chip on their shoulder. Like guys, the reason you aren't favored in this game is because they still don't believe in you. They still think it's same old Indiana and you get to prove to them on a weekly basis that it ain't. And that is a good position for a hungry team to be in. And there should be no one hungrier than Indiana football players who know what the national
2: perception of our program has been for years and years. So I did see the line and I still get confused. So I don't gamble, but Michigan negative three and a half means they think they're gonna beat us by three and a half points.
3: Correct, it's like the game starts with Indiana winning three and a half to zero.
2: Yeah, that's horse shit, okay? I know. It can't be based on anything that's been seen on the field, except for maybe they're looking at the stats, the numbers of the Penn State game, and say, ah, you got lucky, because Penn State ran it all up and down the field on them. And then what else has it got to be? They think Michigan has just had more better talent for sure for all the years of Harbaugh and that that somehow is miraculously going to make up for their crazy khaki wearing coach.
3: Yes. I think that probably if you did a spreadsheet on five stars, look, I bet Michigan has multiple five stars. We have zero. I bet they have over a dozen four stars. We have, I think less than three. So I think it's just from a talent perspective, perspective maybe we've got a handful but from a talent perspective they're probably like well there's a reason why michigan was ranked in the top 15 to start the year they were pretty good last year they've never been elite under harbaugh but they've been Mm -mm. pretty good uh and indiana historically hasn't a lot of it is just you know this stuff is like concrete it sets and the perception of indiana has set is that we're not a good football team and tom allen is doing the impossible of breaking up that concrete melting it down and forming I don't know where the metaphor is going. I, I get I get lost in the metaphor. I get lost.
2: The point is he's doing great. Yeah and and this is what I think is realistic for IU under Tom Allen right now and moving forward. And and it's it's not just realistic. It's it's happening before our very eyes is nobody's in the class of Ohio State in the Big Ten. Then you have the second tier and that's Penn State. Wisconsin, Michigan, at least over the last few years. And I think we're already in that second group. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out. There's nothing going on in recruiting or in play calling or anything else that leads me to think we can't stay right here in this second group for time immemorium. You know, as long as the key, as long as he's there keep the Tom Allen fund slush fund is well funded. Come on. We got to keep this guy because I don't see any reason we can't be right in the thick of things year in and year out moving forward.
3: Look, I hope that's the case. It's been two games. so I want to give it a beat, but no, I, no. no, I know. I know. I shouldn't be giving it a beat. Who are you? Who are you rabbi? I know I'm <laughs> rational right now. I'm rational, but I, I just love looking forward to Saturday right now. Like that is so much fun and that's where it's at now on the flip side. Oh God. Saturday was great. But the day before Saturday was not great for Indiana men's basketball. And that's, of course, because Trader Kaufman, that's his name, by the way, Trader
2: Kaufman. I like it. Uh, look, I don't want to crap on the kid. He, oh, he, I, I'm, I'm okay with crapping on I him. know you are, but look. I know it's politically incorrect, but he's a, he's a boilermaker now. Yeah, no, I don't like him. I don't like him. But
3: we did something wrong to lose him. And, and we don't know what it was. Did he have a better relationship with Matt Painter? You and me did something wrong? Clearly we did something. Well, you people are blaming video? us for the video. Okay? <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: Um, we lost Dawson too. Damn it. Yeah. But look, I mean, in the end, recruiting – is winning or losing and that's all there is it's why i got into a fight with rabbi on our last or two episodes ago when he was like they're doing a phenomenal job recruiting him There, there is no such thing as a phenomenal job recruiting anyone until the kid makes a decision and when he makes a decision if the answer is yes that team did a phenomenal job everyone else did the same failure it's binary something didn't click and I will say this, all the experts, including Brian Snow, who, by the way, I have, ref- I have refrained from posting, but Brian Snow, if you go back and I wish I- I'm going to start taking screen grabs of his stuff when he says things definitively so that I have them when moments like this happen. (laughs) Trey Kaufman at first was never gonna play at the same school that Caleb first played at, never. And people would say, but they're not the same position. Caleb's more of a five and, you know, or a four and Trey wants to be a wing. And Brian Snow's response back then was, it doesn't matter what you think. It only matters what they think. And they think they're the same position. Caleb first thinks he's the same position. So they're never gonna play at the same school. (laughs) Then he said, Uh, Trey Kaufman and Christian Lander would never play at the same school. Turned out that that had nothing to do with the reason that Trey Kaufman didn't come to Indiana. That was blown by months ago, had nothing to do with it. Then he chooses Purdue. And what does Brian Snow say? Brian Snow says, as I've always said, there was a disconnect between Indiana and Trey. What a crock of shit. Like it is, it is. It's just, it's just retelling the story to make yourself feel good. But bottom line, we failed in this one. And I know if you take the whole of Archie's work, it's a better story. But we failed in the Keon Brooks recruitment too. And we, and we failed now in Trey Kaufman. And we failed in Caleb first. That 2021 class, which was loaded, we're going to get Lander for 20 and probably no one else. I mean, there's no one else really in the class of 20 and, or 21. And we're not going after Blake Wesley. It was not a good day for Indiana basketball. But it's not to me just about losing the kid. It's the reasons we lost the kid that are more alarming. There's word that Matt Painter developed a better relationship with him because he was recruiting him longer and Archie didn't really start recruiting him until later it was more Tom Ostrom doing the heavy lifting. We heard that for Keon Brooks too, that Archie came in late, Caleb first. We heard similar things, that Archie wasn't leading that recruitment where Matt Painter was. That worries me more than just losing this one kid. Because if you think Archie Miller is the right coach for Indiana and you and I desperately want him to be, if you believe that, losing Trey Kaufman isn't gonna prevent Indiana from being good or not. The symptoms of why we lost him, the, the cause of why we lost him may be more problematic if that doesn't get fixed, if that is a real
2: problem. That's what scares me more than anything. Well, I think the reason the fan base hit the panic button is, one, nothing really to show for the last three years. So an overemphasis on landing big-time recruits is kind of all we've had to say, ooh, we we still have a bright future, and we've locked down the state. And to a large degree, you could say with the exception of Keon, through the first three-plus recruiting cycles that Archie has had, we have gotten everybody we wanted. But now this is without a doubt the biggest miss. Keon was up there, but we did get Trace in that class, and you could say, well, we got Christian in this one too. But at the it's end, two of the or day, five though. It's at, two at or five. The, at the end of the day, w- w- the the state is not locked down. There's a civil war in the state. Purdue is now getting as many shots in as we are. More. You, they're in the lead well, for I mean, 2021. They're in the lead. Yeah, but I'm talking since Archie showed up because when Archie showed up, we're going to lock down the state. And I think we all felt like he was doing a good enough job with that up until Friday. That was like a tipping point for fans being like, well, we haven't looked good on the court, a little steady improvement, but we haven't looked good. But now we're not even winning recruiting battles with the Southern Indiana kid to that school up north. And oh, yeah, we haven't gotten an impact player from outside of the state. When you're entering year four and you're only half locked down the state and the other two things haven't been going very well, people are in freak out mode. Totally.
3: And and I don't think it's unwarranted. I, I really don't. I think we've gotten two of the last five major recruits from the state of Indiana. We got Trace and we got Christian. And we lost Keon, Caleb, and Trey. That's not good enough. It's only good enough if you're landing the impact player out of state or if you're proving that on the court, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. If those other things are happening, then you can be okay. But it speaks to your point about why the fan base so panicked. All we had was the in-state top players that we targeted. That's all we had. And it doesn't seem like we have it. And I'm going to go to something that you know I've said to you many times and we've talked about it on the podcast. Look at Tom Crean's first four years of recruiting. Look at Archie Miller's first four years of recruiting. You can easily make the argument that Tom Crean did better and a higher percentage with in-state kids than Archie Miller has now done. Tom Crean missed on uh, Gary Harris. That was the only one that he went full out for that we had a real chance. I think there were a couple others that we didn't get. Like Deshaun Thomas, I think was, but we were terrible and Ohio State was way in on him and he was from Northern Indiana and Caleb Swanigan wasn't really an Indiana kid. He was brought to the state, but Crean nailed Jordy and Cody and Yogi and Blackman and back then Trey Lyles and Colin Hartman and Devin Davis and Hannah Perea, who was in state, you know, and uh, Jeremy Hollowell and all those guys. Arch, you cannot look at Archie's recruitment now and say it's so much better than what Crean did at the beginning with in-state people. It's not.
2: Well, the whole argument's been that, yeah, but what Archie's doing will be able to be sustained. But this is like, wait, what? Maybe what happened, right. Like, it's, it, even this year, it's not really being sustained.
3: Totally. The only thing we can hope for is that Joey Brunk comes back for a 17th year of eligibility. And when Trey Kaufman, Trader Kaufman, plays against him, that Joey Brunk, with that 290 pound body or whatever he weighs, welcomes that kid to the big 10 and to Indiana basketball in the only way that is suitable, which is pound him into the ground. Like that's what you hope. Um, But I do think, look, we have talked about this Ward. We're not shitting on the kid. We we are not gonna do that because I don't like him because he's a boiler. I don't like any boiler, but we did something wrong to not land this recruitment. And the kid, it's a kid, and he decided to go where he felt most comfortable. We didn't do a good enough job to make him feel like we were the place he could be most comfortable, period. That we lost, we failed in that, and we shouldn't have. And, and I'll go one step further. It sounded like it wasn't even that close, truthfully. It sounds like the kid made up his mind a few weeks ago, and we were kind of running second all along. And and by the way, all that stuff that we were worried about, why wasn't he committing? Why was he looking to Virginia? Why was he waiting to go to North Carolina? Why were they going on a visit themselves? Why wouldn't he just commit? Well, because he didn't want to. I mean, forget all the analytical stuff that, that we heard time and time again, ad not He just didn't feel comfortable at Indiana. So it wasn't like he was... Ready to commit to Indiana, but just making sure what else is out there. No, he was never ready to commit to Indiana. And my problem is we didn't read the tea leaves because had we read the tea leaves better, Mason Miller might be a Hoosier right now. And instead, we now seem to be running second for him to freaking Creighton, who he just visited last weekend. And it bothers me that we tried to run, we tried to walk this tightrope of making them both feel like we wanted them, but clearly Trey was the priority, but not going all in on Mason because you didn't want Mason to commit first because that meant you couldn't get Trey. Well, now you may lose both. And Indiana and where our staff is right now is not in a position where they could have risked losing both. You know, they're not where Michigan State is or Kansas or Kentucky or Duke or Virginia or Villanova. We had to get one of these guys. It's not over yet, but we had to get one of these guys. And if we lose both, then the, the staff
2: made a inexcusable calculation, miscalculation. You had to know somewhere deep within, it wasn't really clicking. Like, that's my guy. You're my guy. Right, right. I'm his guy. And so you, you have to realize that, talk about it, and reprioritize and be like, well, can, can we have that rapport with Mason? Can we really make him feel good here and let him know he can come in kind of from day one and start chucking it up for us? Because we don't have a lot of that right now. But to me, this is all insanity, right? I came to watching the recruiting game late. I only really started going all in, watching the boards, reading the tea leaves with Romeo. That's where my recruitment Mm -hmm. you you recruited me into recruiting thank you very much
3: (laughs) I don't know if that's a thank you
2: it's not it's not because it's it's so well it's great when it works out it gives us something to do for the many months of the year where nothing else is really happening and it's all we've really had to be excited about hopefully it starts to look better out on the court this year, significantly, especially on the offensive end. And that's where I'm just at. Like it kind of hit me on Friday where I was like, look, I've been over this recruitment for a while. I just wanted an answer one way or another. Great. It's no, am, am I disappointed? Yes. But what do I really care about? I don't care about who puts on that Jersey. If they get out there, play their ass off, compete at the highest level. And it needs to happen this year. I'm no longer going to be looking back to the last three years. I'm not going to be looking forward to next year when Trey would have been coming in or the years beyond that with the 2022s and the 2023s. Will I look? Will I check in? Will I be aware? Yes. But at least through this basketball season, I'm just going to be looking at what is presented to us on the hardwood with every game and be consumed by that. And probably do some real soul searching by the end of the season if I think this is the way forward for this program. And I so hope it is because this year there are no excuses. We have the experience, we have the depth, we have the talent. Now is the time. We need to be able to get onto the court with any other team in the country and compete.
3: I agree. But I don't believe you. You're going to be just as focused on the next recruitment as you always nope. are.
2: I w- no, I don't, I don't believe I, I, you. I don't I think
3: it's, I don't. Think You've said this to me before. When? I don't remember the specific recruit, but there was no. another recruit that we lost key on, I think. And you were like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. Yeah, well, I don't want to do it either. And then I guess just when I thought I was out, they pulled me pull back in. Again. But I'll tell you what you do care about, really, what you do care about. Besides how we look on the court, you care about the trustee campaign that has kicked off in earnest, that will elect the next trustees of Indiana in July of 2021, and we officially launched our campaign to get me on the board just minutes before this this podcast recording.
2: I'm glad you sandwiched Trey in between the football team and the trusteeship because I was feeling all great when we started. And now I'm I'm all like stressed out and now I can get happy and excited again and looking forward to the future, not just for athletic teams, but for our whole university, because with you as our IU trustee, it's happening. It's gonna happen. (laughs) I'm just excited now we can take some real actionable steps i mean yeah we made a great song that's clearly gonna make a a real
3: difference it sounds seems like right now would be a good time to
2: play it right now right now right now who's your man to lead us
0: who's not a total dud? who's your brother bleeding crimson blue blood who's your man demanding what you want and more Who's you gotta get us back to the final four? We got to vote for Eric. Man for you and me. We all trust in Eric. Future trustee, if you wanna see the candy stripe back in the promised land. You best just vote for Eric, cause you know who whoa, How's who's your man?
2: great song perfect song it's nice to see within moments of you tweeting out the official launch the season is on that people started clicking through started getting to the website what's what's the address of the website ep
3: for trustee.com and by the way we are nothing if not for and by the people because we didn't know what the email address should be and what the website address should be. And we put it out to the people, and they decided by the narrowest of margins that ep for trustee which came as a suggestion from a Twitter follower, he gave the suggestion. We threw it out for a poll. You guys voted on it. It's ep trusteecom And on that site, you can fill in the form to get us to get me and my name on the ballot. We need 200 verifiable forms from IU grads. So go to the website. One more time. What is it, Ward? Did I get it right? EP4Trustee.com. And you, all the vowels. Use all the vowels. <laughs> yeah, right? Every we use single one. Every vowel that is available, that is appropriate, you use. It's Look, I'll, I'll tell you this. The messages we've already gotten have been awesome, and we appreciate it more than you know. I did get a phone call from somebody, and I won't divulge the person's name or information, but they did say that there are people within the power structure of Indiana who are very concerned and asking this question, is he serious, or are they just making a mockery out of this whole thing?
2: They haven't been paying attention.
3: They have not. We're doing both. We're doing both. Exactly right. We are making a mockery out of a typical election. That said, we desperately want to be on the board of trustees. I believe that I can do a good job. I will be 100% committed to it. I love Indiana. Look, Ward made me change the message on the website because he wanted it to have the sincerity that he knows is real of, of what our message is and why we wanna do it. And the reason we wanna do it is because like Anthony Thompson said, Indiana is like one of our kids. It is as much a part of us as our right arms. It is as much a part of us as our kids. We love it. We don't always agree with it. It frustrates the hell out of us. We wanna ground it sometimes, but we love it. We want it to be as great as it can be. And we feel like an outsider perspective coming in to shake things up that's not afraid to say what's right and what's wrong and not playing by the rules of you know, what has always been the rule, that that's what this campaign is about. And that's what our trusteeship
2: will be. And let me speak a little bit on behalf of you. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. This, this isn't going to be easy for you, but this is what you do to our guests every time. And the fact of the matter is, there's quite a few people who would love to be a trustee because of what it could mean for their business or their practice or whatever it might be. You have zero ties to any of that. You have nothing at stake there. There is nothing for you in the state of Indiana, but Indiana University. And I have never met a bigger fan who also happens to be incredibly passionate, incredibly intelligent, incredibly sophisticated in the way you look at problems from so many different angles. And I think that outsider perspective, somebody who comes from a different business, from a different world, really, and that you could come in and just, if nothing else, present the rest of the trustees with a totally unique point of view that a lot of the time is gonna be right. Sometimes it's gonna be wrong, but I think it's so vital to get the new ideas in there. And look, I also think if if, if you have to go to bat for stuff, I know that's not gonna be a problem for you. If you have to go down swinging, you will, but you have such deep belief and so much conviction that nobody will ever be able to accuse you of not fighting for what you think is right for all of Indiana University, especially the basketball team.
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for that. Uh, I don't know what to say to that. I,
2: uh... Oh, and you're very creative, too. You're very creative. And I think we need creative solutions in the 21st century. So let's not discount your creativity in this equation.
3: Well, thank you, Ward. Uh, look, the only way it's going to happen is if the people that listen to this podcast that graduated Indiana help us. They send it to the people that they know that are their friends and family, the people that follow us on Twitter. Uh, and also, let's not forget, Tom Allen, head football coach, Terry Morin, head women's coach, Scott Dolson, athletic director, and Archie Miller, head basketball coach, all have not not endorsed us. <laughs> like, just remember that. I mean, that means something. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so, and, and 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 I mean, I think it's something where you say if you can tweet it out to this and do it all to that. I think that all the the tweets and the retweets and the Facebook posts you could do, please do that too. But even if everybody listening who's in on this could just get like one other person to do it, so yeah. a non listener, a non Twitter user, a non Pigs user, and just double the number of people that are going to put their vote our way. That that might do it right there.
3: And also remember, I'm the only trustee that has an official consigliere, Ward Roberts. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. All right, listen, We've take, this is the intro. There was a lot to go over, but it's good to have a, a weighty intro when you have such an important guest. And that's what we have today. Someone that uh, occupies a, a seat and an office that is of rarefied air in the college basketball world. It is a place that we have not gone often on the show, in fact, only one other time. It's something we've been working on for a while and we could not be more honored, excited, and feel privileged that we got the chance to talk to her. And, oh, just gave it away, it's a her. Um, But I'm ecstatic that she came on the show. We're recording this intro after we did it and the conversation blew us away and we'll talk more about it afterwards. But Ward, I don't know if you wanna say anything more. I'm just so excited to let people hear from this woman.
2: After they listen to this conversation, they're going to be like, wow, that team is in good shape for a long time to come.
0: Hysterics? Hysterics?
2: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Eric, the suspense is killing him. Just go right ahead and bust out the laundry list of this woman's many, many, many accomplishments.
3: So excited to do this one. Hailing from Seymour, Indiana, where she played high school basketball, led her team to four sectional titles, two regional championships, a semi state win, and a state title appearance in 1987. She was named in 1987 Indiana All Star, and the Columbus Republic named her Female Athlete of the Year. From there, And I got to be careful on this one. I got to just shake out the heebie-jeebies while I say this. She she went to Purdue. She won their first ever Big Ten title. She went to the NCAA tournament second weekend twice in a row. She helped build them into a powerhouse. Okay, let's move on past that. (laughs) From there, she started her coaching career, which took her to several different places as an assistant coach and a head coach, where she finally landed at the right place for her, Indiana University. And here's all she's done in six seasons the first time that Indiana women's basketball has ever won 20 games, three consecutive seasons. Oh, and then she did it again to make it the first time we've ever won four. And then she did it again to make it the first time we ever won five consecutive seasons of 20 wins. She has coached 28 academic All-Big Ten selections. She has coached 17 All-Big Ten honorees. She won for the first time ever in Indiana, the women's NIT. She beat a top five team in South Carolina for the first time ever at Indiana University. Indiana University women's basketball has only been to the NCAA tournament six times, would have been seven with this last year. Her teams have done it two or would have been three of those six or seven times. We've only won an NCAA tournament game three times in the history of the program. She's done it two of those three times. She was inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame in 2014. She was part of the inaugural class, 2017 of Seymour Athletics Hall of Fame. And maybe better than it all, and I'm gonna save her this one, she's seven and one against Purdue over the last <laughs> eight
4: games.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, we have ventured into women's basketball one other time on this podcast, where we affectionately referred to Tyra Bus as the GOAT. When it's all <laughs> said and done, This woman will be the goat of Indiana women's basketball coaching. Please welcome the head coach of Indiana women's basketball, Coach Terry Morin.
1: Thank you. That was uh, quite the introduction. I appreciate that. You know, I'm the second famous person in Seymour. The first is who? Who would you guys guess? John that?
2: Mellencamp, baby. John Mellencamp. <laughs> you're, right.
1: you're right. So I was wondering
2: when when you're growing up in Seymour, you're you're getting ready to play a game. Do they play the national anthem or Jack and Diane?
1: Well, they put a little bit of both. Actually, <laughs> so, a mashup. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. Um, every Hoosier hysteria that I've 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 been obviously since i've been here been a part of i always come out to a mellencamp song yes. always um yes and it seems like um there's there's quite a few people in the crowd that appreciate that still well,
4: what's, your
3: think, what's your favorite what's your favorite song? i
1: love check it out um uh, but i have so many you know obviously the small town because that you know pink houses so but you know yeah. I, I i love him and and it's funny that uh You know, we're in a day and age now where we allow our kids while they're warming up to play music, music now that I, you know, either don't understand the lyrics to. And so every now and again, they'll say, hey, coach, you know, why don't you 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 put your own music up there? And I always select Mellencamp. They're like, we should have known you're going (laughs) to select. But I'm like I said, most of those young people, you know, they have no idea who Johnny Johnny Cougar is. So I know. well,
2: And that's why it's it's so valuable for you to be there guiding these young young ladies into adulthood and and to right. verse them in the classics
1: that's right that's yeah. right we are teach we are teachers here so uh you know we're teaching them what good music sounds like that's so. right
2: first you can
3: listen to your little uzi vert but after that <laughs> then you need to get a little meloncamp have that's you a- met have you met him
1: you know what I have not met him but I've been to several of his concerts been very close to meeting him uh matter of fact you know he lives here in bloomington yeah uh and uh, I feel like it was Tyra, maybe in Amanda Cahill, that were at they were at a restaurant here in Bloomington and ran into him. And they just were like, "Guess who we? You know, we, we saw we met." And so here is Tyra Bus and Amanda Cahill, you know, meeting of all people, John Mellencamp in Bloomington. So
3: and and you were a little upset about
4: that. Yeah, you were like, I, was, I need to be meeting. But- but, you know, my
1: goal my goal is, to, I wanted to, you know, because I, I play him so much at Hoosier Hysteria, I'm like, wouldn't it just be the coolest thing if I could talk him into coming yes. to Hoosier Hysteria? And, you know, um, I have We're going to help you
2: with that. We're going to help I mean, you with that.
1: Yeah, I haven't figured that piece of it out, but I thought, wow, everybody would just go crazy, wouldn't they?
2: Oh, my well, God. And I do love to brag that as a 2000 graduate, John Mellencamp was our commencement speaker. <laughs> And, and it was unusual. It was an unusual speech. Very memorable. And I think <laughs> any way to get him in front of the IU undergrads, it's, it's going to be something that they'll remember for the rest of their life.
4: Yeah.
2: Everybody knows Bruce Springsteen. That's mm-hmm. who John Mellencamp is for
3: Indiana. And the American. Right? That's yeah. who Mellencamp is. But better. But better. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> All right. So let's get to you. Okay. First off, before we get into just what's going on now, when you hear that long list of accomplishments, and you are still a young person and you have accomplished so much, is there something in there from your playing days or coaching days already that sticks out as the thing that you are most proud of?
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that I'm still young uh, I don't <laughs> feel like it. Um, but um you know I, I just think growing up, and like you know we we just got done talking about it, right, the small town of Seymour and um you know I grew up in a neighborhood of all boys guys and so if it had a ball in it we played it and so you know at a young age I was pretty talented in a lot of different things and then I just fell in love with the game of basketball um and um, you know it's obviously been able to take me a lot of a lot of different places a lot of different stops um, but, you know, it always comes back to whether it's the coaches, whether it's your teammates, and now it's, it's my staff and my players. Um, and those, those are what makes um, what I do and what I've gotten to do in the past just such a special thing. It's just those, those relationships, uh, the impact that I'm having right now on our players, at least I hope I am, um, and so in, in just the places, you know, we've traveled a lot, uh, have, have, have been at a, a lot of great venues and I've uh, gotten to see a lot, you know, in 27 years of coaching. Um, and uh, I've also evolved and I've, I've grown a lot and I've changed philosophically a lot. So it's it's really been good in, in a lot of aspects, you know, um, in a lot of different ways. So but um, I do I am very passionate about this game and it's been really good to me.
2: Well, I'm sure with all those experiences starting in Seymour leading up to sitting here with the Hoosier Hysterics, you're really realizing your dreams now here this morning. (laughs) Um, None of that could have prepared you for what is going on right now. Um, So what is it like day to day trying to prepare for a season that you don't really know how it's going to go down?
1: Right. Well, See, we've been really lucky, and this is what I'm real—I'm most proud of right now, and and I tell our kids this every single day. Um, we've been one of the few teams, and I'll knock on wood here, um, that have not been shut down. We've not been put on pause, wow. um, and and primarily is because my kids, the discipline, the sacrifices—I mean, this is really, you know, uh, disrupted their their life, uh, you know. Imagine, and you guys go back to your college days when you're a freshman and you roll into Bloomington, and uh, you know you 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 haven't seen the inside of campus, right? Um, You you don't even know. One of our freshmen, after our men won the other day the game, I said, "You guys should have. You better not have been down on Kirkwood." And my freshman looked at me and she goes, "What's Kirkwood?" So you know it's just disrupt these guys and in so many ways that, uh, what, what should be normal, what they should be experiencing right now, being a student athlete or, you know, being a student here in Bloomington, they're, they're not able to. And so I'm really proud of the fact that they've just shown a tremendous amount of, 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 uh, discipline and sacrifice. I think a lot of it had to do with, and you guys know this, you know, March 12th is the day we got shut down and, um, we are getting ready to go into practice because we, we are right there on the fringe of being a fourth or fifth seed, which would be the, the highest seed in Indiana women's basketball had ever uh, been given in the tournament. And then it's abrupt. I mean, it is, boom, we're done. We're shut down. And it's kind, and I probably, when I think back because I wasn't prepared for it, um, didn't do as good of a job as I probably would have liked in, in it, that being our last meeting, and we had an incredible historic year yes, you uh, did. with, with just being able to, 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 you know, close it. Cause we were tr- at that point, guys, we were just trying to get our guys home. You know, I have, you know, they're from all over the country and I have one young lady, Alexa Gulbe from Latvia. And so we are rushing around trying to figure out how we can get her home. Of course, her mom and dad, her parents want her home. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, moving parts. Our administration has done a tremendous job. Our testing has been unbelievable. Uh, Dr. Hipskin, Dr. Rink, everybody, uh, Scott, Maddie, has just, they've just done an incredible job of, of, um, you know, the testing protocols, procedures, putting them in place. Um, Everything's been different. You know, we're coaching with masks on, our kids aren't. Uh, We're getting tested every morning at seven o'clock, antigen testing. So. Uh, you know our kids are in here early. Then we're practicing, and then the next day they're coming back doing the same thing. Um, but we are we are hopeful. We're keeping our fingers crossed. We we are are still waiting. You know our our schedule is going to be a little bit different. Um, our Big Ten schedule than it's been in the past. We're in search of finding some some non conference games, but that's been a challenge because not everybody has the same testing protocols. Um, and so, everything is, is as I say to our kids, you know, we have to um, be flexible right now. We have to be light on our feet. We just have to, whatever comes our way and we can control, uh, we're going to co- try to control. Um, and there's just going to be some things that are going to happen. they are going to be uh, things that we have, you know, we, we, we just can't. And um, I really, like I said, we have great leadership with Allie Patberg and Grace Berger, um, you know. In, inside of this team, but I'm really just proud of the fact that uh, we've we've managed to stay right now um, really healthy.
3: I we, before you came on, Ward and I were were having the conversation with Megan about there's been some some increased buzz about college basketball going to conference only mm-hmm. because of the fact that all these conferences have different protocols. Right. Um, you typically play an 18 game schedule in the Big Ten. Have there been conversations about get rid of all non-conference, move it up to 24 games or whatever it is? Is, is that something that you think is a realistic possibility?
1: I do. I, you know, I think it is gaining some traction uh, there for the longest. You know, we we were meeting as um, head coaches, women's head coaches. I know Archie was doing the same thing with his guys uh, every week, just trying to figure out what a schedule, meaningful schedule would look like. Um, because the, the minimum, um, a number of games that you have to have are 13 played, right. um, to make also, the NCAA tournament to that's the what it's... tournament. Yeah. And so, you know, you're trying to, how quickly can you get to 13? Right. Um, mm-hmm. you're thinking about that, but you also want to put together. And again, our, our league is, is incredibly difficult. So I think going to a, um, and people will probably think I'm nuts. Um, you know, getting away from a non-conference schedule this year, going to 26 games, playing everybody twice makes a lot of sense. Sure. Um, you're under the same testing protocols, you know, and you feel really good about, you know, going to the, the Illinois, going to the Marylands, and so forth. Um, I don't know that that'll happen. Um, but I do think in the last week, to your point, I think that idea is getting is gaining a little bit more traction for sure.
2: You had mentioned you are speaking with the other coaches, like the other Big Ten coaches. Is that what you meant?
1: Yeah. In such
2: a crazy world that we now live, I mean, these are your fiercest rivals. Right. Has this been something that has brought you together closer as a community? Are you talking at all about how you're going about keeping your program moving forward or exchanging notes like this? Or is it all just logistical, just business? How can we pull this off?
1: You know what? It's a little bit of both. I will say that we have, um, first of all, we have incredible coaches in the league, um, and, uh, fierce competitors for sure. Um, but, but we have, we have gotten to a point where we are sharing more about how we're doing certain things. Like, um, for example, for example, um, you know, in women's basketball, not so much in men's, but we, we utilize what's called a, a black squad, a men's squad that, that plays against our kids in practice. Every, every, everybody does it in the country on the women's side. And so, you know, we're, we're uh, this is you know, we just can't risk having these college guys, you know, come in and be a part of that squad just for fear of, well, you know, we, maybe perhaps they're going to be out on Kirkwood, right? During, yeah, don't, don't base, trust right? the
2: college guys. No, that is a good call. <laughs> right.
1: So, so we've talked about, you know, things, how many managers, you know, are you guys going to have, uh, you know, when, when can contact start? You know, that was a big thing, uh, you know, because in the summer when we had our kids, we did like a six, six week, I called it a mini camp. Um, we were all in masks at that point, including our players And it was just like we were in phases of, okay, if we can get through this two weeks, then maybe we can go to another two weeks of no mask. uh, The coach is still wearing masks. And then, okay, if we can just get through this two weeks, then the next two weeks, can we start, you know, having some contact as far as pads and making sure we were, uh, you know, cleaning those off after, after, you know, and so there were a lot of different things that we were talking about um just as head coaches like what are you allowed to do you know what's your testing and 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 what i was surprised by was every it seemed like every every uh institution had a different testing protocol um and we were one of the first that i think started Mm. testing every single day Mm. um and so that was that's where i i um you know, commented earlier, just about just the fabulous job that Dr. Hipskin and, and all of, you know, our, our guys here have just done a great job of getting that in motion. Um, and, um, and making sure that again, our kids are, are being tested every single day. So we know as soon as, uh, practice gets here, we know the number of, you Uh, you mentioned it earlier,
3: how your team has not had to shut down, uh, clearly the men's team has uh, several men's sports have. It does not surprise me that your team hasn't because women are simply smarter and more responsible than men. <laughs> and I am wondering, do you ever like just voice yeah. or anyone just voice when you're having conversations in the department? Like, Hey guys, just stop
1: being morons. Look at us. We're smarter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Like it really is remarkable. Right. right. You know, Sure. It's interesting that you, you 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 say that because um we finally got to a point where our numbers were not trending in the right direction. And so Scott asked myself, uh Coach Allen, Archie, and Coach Helmer if we would get on a Zoom call like this with all of our student athletes and kind of give them that, you know, rah, rah, let's, you know, and that's where um I I had a pretty spirited conversation with them because I was frustrated. Um, And, and even my spirited conversation, I think, led into even our head coach's call saying, if you're just having these conversations right now with your kids, you're late. Like we should have been having these conversations about doing the right things, making the right choices, sacrificing, being disciplined. Like let's be the, you know that's let's, let's let's be the example of what it should look like as a disciplined university, disciplined athletic department that we're gonna have the lowest cases. Well, that wasn't the trend, you know, that's not where we were trending. And so, yeah, I did get frustrated. I got frustrated in a lot of ways because I just felt like we could do better and we and we needed to do better. And um, at that point, Scott Dolson, a lot of these athletic directors we're not going to be the ones making the decisions to shut things down. It's going to be the presidents you know of the university and it's like look guys if if I'm looking at this chart right now as a president we're we're not trending in the right way so we got to be uh, we got to realize that we got some work to do um, you know in order for for this whole thing not to be shut down. And so then guess what after that it seemed like our numbers, um, you know, started trending in the right direction. And I'm not saying, you know, that's that, but I think that having the four of us kind of come together and say to our athletes, like, wake up, like we, we can do better than this. Um, and so, you know, I, I have to believe that that helped somewhat, because I just don't think these young people realize that, you know, going home, being around friends, being around family members, you know, um and then the other thing is, we try to hit them with, you know, right now we're we're being um, impacted, you know, with uh, you know people losing their jobs. Wow. Financially, we're being impacted. You have, you know, uh, furloughs that are happening, and so I think we went that direction too. And and I have assistants that have children, and I kept saying to my guys, like, I know how you love those kids that come, you know, that, that Rhett's kids and, um, and, and Bree's kids. And so think about that. Think about when you're making those decisions that you could come in and if you got, if Coach Red, you know, um, beca- becomes positive, then he's taking that home to his two young baby boys. And so think about how you can impact
4: totally. if you don't
1: make the right decisions. And so- yeah. And so I think that they really took that to heart. Like people are being, you know, yeah, your life's being disrupted, but people are losing jobs. Other people are being sick, you know, getting sick. And, and so let's, let's just try to be responsible. Um, and so this is when, you know, the essential travel just came into effect where it's like, look, you guys aren't going home unless, you know, there, we had a couple of weddings and, um, there were, there was obviously a, a couple deaths in the family, but other than that, our kids, have um, have really stayed in their cohorts, their their apartments, and um, and I feel for them. I really do. Uh, you know, yeah. I love college. I had a great college experience. You guys, I know, did too. And so they are they are like I said, their world has been kind of flipped upside down right now. But um, our our kids, I can't tell you as I said. I mean, reiterate just how proud I am because they have completely, um, you know been been so strong, I think, in in throughout all of this. So,
2: well, let's go back to a more normal time. (laughs) Seymour, Indiana, and you alluded to this earlier, growing up, if, if there was a basketball around, you were picking it up and playing with a lot of guys in the neighborhood, right? How did you go from just pick up games at somebody's goal down the street, to being like, you know what, I'm I'm going to really start dedicating myself to this. Right. I really, I really love this. Do you remember a, a moment or a time?
1: Well, you know, obviously uh, um, the state of Indiana is synonymous with basketball. So if you know, you, you we just kind of eat, drink, sleep it. Um, but I will say this, and this is what we're, we're, it's such a powerful thing to be a coach. And uh, I think back to my high school career, um, and at that time there was no class basketball. Okay. It was, everybody was for themselves, small town. Um, and, and one of the greatest gifts my high school coach gave me was she would take us, um, to, um, to market square arena for the state finals. Nice. And if you, you remember that, right. So, yes. uh, so that's the market square, uh, air on a Saturday afternoon, four teams, um, Place packed. You had every corner with a community, a community, sure. a community, and so she would. She took us there early. Uh, you know, when I was a, and I think you know, she had when I had a younger age. She probably saw something in me that I didn't see in myself at the time. So here I'm going to the state finals with, you know, freshmen and sophomores and in juniors and seniors, and I just remember. Um, Riding the bus up there and having to—I felt like at the time, you know, we we have to we would have to park this bus away from Market Square and then walk. And this <laughs> walk just seemed like it was ten miles, right?
2: Real downtown, cold too. Yeah,
1: yeah, downtown Indianapolis, and you're just walking, and I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, and and so she would she would say, hey, you know, one of the things y'all should think about, one of your goals should be, is if you ever have the opportunity to play in the state finals. They drop you off at the back door and guess what? (laughs) You just get to walk in a door, right? You get to pull underneath and, you know, there's no walking and you're right. You're right in the arena. And I thought right then and there, like, I'm going to do that someday. Um. Enough of this walking, right? We're going to. Uh, you know, instead of having to go through the front doors, we're going to go through the back door. And, um, and so that's when I think, you know, at a young age, it was just one of those, I, my goals were to help lead Seymour high school to a state finals. And um, it was incredible. I mean, you can only imagine small town. I don't think Mellencamp was there. However, I, I do think the entire town of Seymour was there. And, um, it was such a special thing for that. Um, you know, just for, for our community and, um, for our team and even for my high school coach who, you know, you just, you know, you want good things to happen, right. For, for your high school coach, who's had such a impact on you as well. And I think that was one of her dreams is coaching in a state finals at market square. So I think for me, it happened, it happened really early that I thought, you know, I really love this game, uh, you know, and then and then that just propelled me to you know having the opportunity to go to Purdue, even though that's a bad word around here.
3: It is a very bad word, and I, you know, they <laughs> it has a, a
2: happy uh, it has a happy ending. It does.
1: Yeah. The, it does.
3: Uh, they say a lawyer should never ask a question he doesn't know the answer to, but I'm going to ask sure. this and take the risk. So you grew up in Seymour, which is Southern Indiana. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that is Indiana country and not Purdue country. You grew up in a time. Where the Indiana Purdue battles on the men's side were at a fever pitch. I mean, this was right. Bobby Knight at his peak, and it right. is Gene Katie at his peak. Were you a fan of Indiana or Purdue growing up? Well,
1: I, if you grow up in Southern Indiana, yeah, you are a Hoosier. You're yes. An uh, and uh, so, I, I always say this, and it's been very well documented. My, our Sundays at the Warren house, church, lunch, grandmother's house, Martha, the mop lady. Well, well, first let me take that back. Bobby Knight's show. Basketball yes. Show. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Martha, the mop lady. And then you watch the Hoosiers. That was your Sunday. That's what you did. And so it was a religion for us. I mean, it was just like that every Sunday. So I always say this, I know more about men's IU men's basketball. I love Steve Alford, you know, but I love Randy Whitman. I love Ted Kitchell, Daryl Thomas. Like there was, you know, Ube Blob. I thought he yes. was, a, he, was a, he was different, right? Uh, yes, so there, was. Were, there, were, there were just, a you know, I grew up in that era where 87, you know, final four. Uh, I was a senior in high school. I mean, I will never forget, um, you know, that, that moment watching them um, you know, in the family room, when, you know when uh, you know Keith Smart hitting that shot. I mean, I just that's what I grew up watching, and so um, I, you know, I I chose to go to Purdue, and, and you guys know this. Recruiting process always comes back to your relationships um, at the time. And again, you know, this is what's interesting about choosing to go to Purdue. Uh, IU women's basketball really didn't have any relevancy. I mean, they right. were they were not they were they were not very good. Purdue women were also probably at the bottom tier of the big 10 as well. When I chose to go there, however, um, there was a name, um, uh, I chose to go there for, there's a, my coach was Linda. And she's a, she's a, uh, not legend. just a pioneer. A yeah. Paul, Paul fame, of famer. Legend, you name it. She's it. Uh, she was, she was taking over the program. I had been recruited by another legend who, uh, by the name of Gail Gustin course, who was, she coached at Duke. Then she went to Texas. Um, she's got out of it and now she's trying to get back into it. But, mm. but really our staff was incredible. Um, and uh, she had been recruiting me and I said, you know, as soon as coach Dunn got the Purdue job, she got hired there. And then that's, that's how I ended up at Purdue. So relationships are the key um you know in the recruiting battle they just are and and I knew I was going to get a good degree I knew I was going to get a degree I didn't quite know what it was going to be in but I knew I didn't want to go very far I wanted to stay in this great state um and I wanted she 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 sold me on a vision of we're we're at the bottom but if we do this thing right we can win a big 10 championship and I wow. I I believed it I believed it and if you've ever met coach Dunn she could sell, as they always say, they could. You could. She could sell ice to an Eskimo. I mean, she <laughs> could. She could get you to believe uh, that. Yeah, okay, this this could really happen, and uh, she was absolutely right. I mean, that's exactly what we did before we left, is we won the first ever Big Ten championship.
2: I'm I'm seeing a trend here where first your high school coach and then your college coach puts a vision out there, right. And we, we had the pleasure of talking with Coach Allen recently and the way he put a vision out there. How important is that when, especially when you're walking into a program that has not had the success to point to and say, hey, look, we did it last year or a few years ago. Of course we can. Right. How much has that impacted the way you go about recruiting and talking to your players, having coaches like that sort of point way up there in the distance, something that hasn't happened and, right. and get, get your recruits and, and then they become your players to buy into what something can yeah. become when it hasn't been that.
1: Yeah, well, you're right. The belief is everything, uh, the vision and, and how you articulate that, what that looks like. Um, but but the, the the secret sauce to all that is is this and, and being from the Midwest, it's called work right? And, um, (laughs) and, and and we, first of all, have an incredible staff that um, extremely competitive, um, awesome, awesome, high character people. Um, And then, because that's where it starts, right? The people you surround yourself with. And then, you know, we've just been able to hopefully paint this picture of this idea of work like because we really believe that we're always after we, we try to find the. we call them the grinders we, we call them the kids that are ate up with the game and those kids are the ones that want to be in the gym they want to be in the gym extra they want to be in the gym before practice they wanted to be in the gym after practice today's a day off for us I've already had three or four of my kids on an off day in here that's 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 golden right there when you find those kinds of kids that's when you know you have something special and um and and you also have to you want them to um it's that's not the work piece it's like this invisible chip that they have to have that hey so and so might not have recruited you but we recruited you and we recruited you because we see this in you but we also recruited you because you're going to help us win win the first ever Big Ten championship here. you're going to help us make a deep run in the NCAA tournament Um, and so, you know, it, it is, it's And I've had great, like you said, mentors, um, and that's, that's kind of where it starts. And it is, there's no secret to it. Um, it'd be great if we could, uh, you know, just, and here's the, here's the deal guys. I mean, every, every spot that I've taken over, I've yet to walk into a program where it's like, oh, we can just kind of, oh. Take off from here.
4: Right. Every
1: program I've been to has had to be a re- is is been a rebuild, um, and so I've had a lot of practice at you know, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm <laughs> trying to figure this thing out. And I and I haven't made all the right moves. I haven't made all the right decisions. I've learned so much, um, but it is it's just it's getting to the heart of your players. Um, and getting them to believe in something that's, that's bigger than themselves. And it's bigger than what, than that they ever thought that could happen for them. And then I think it becomes contagious, just like your attitude. I think it becomes contagious winning does. And then being in the gym, it's like these high schoolers that are really good players that are outliers right now that want to be in the gym, but they are not in the gym because their friends have already gone home for the night, but they don't want to be in the gym. Now it's like, Oh, they want to be in the gym. Like, okay. I- I want to be a part of that. And so uh, that's what we've created. And that's what we've, when we're talking to these recruits, it's, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. It's going to be text messages every morning from our players about what time they're going to come in and get an extra workout in before practice. And we've always said that to them, if you're going to win big it's going to take more than just the two, two and a half hours of practice. It'll take more than the eight hours in preseason, the 20 hours in season. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'd like to be able to tell you that, I mean, we, it's, there's some big secret to all this, but there just hasn't been, we've just been able to find the right, the fit, the guys that fit us best. My, my personality, um, our coaches, their grind, uh, we found the grinders and, um, that's been kind of cool for us.
3: Well, look, you're not giving yourself enough credit, truthfully, because, and look, it's one of the things that in doing research about you is the most refreshing, is you admit publicly, you even did just now, that there are things that you didn't do exactly, when you look back at them, exactly how you wish you would have. And that, finding that alongside the ego that you do need to be a head coach of a major program because you do need ego. Ego isn't a bad word. You have to have confidence in yourself and what you're doing is right. But you say that you tell recruits this is what it looks like, but it wasn't always what it looked like. And and not to skip past your assistant coaching um you know uh track and how you landed here, but I do kind of want to get to uh the Indiana job because You mentioned Coach Allen earlier, and we talked about it right before. There are so many parallels between what he's doing with the football program and what you are doing. It's two programs that do not have historical success. So there is no legacy to lean on. There is no let's get it back. It's just convincing, like Ward said, somebody to do something that hasn't been done before. Right. When you came into Indiana, and I want to get to how it landed, but when you got to Indiana, it was difficult. You didn't have people that fit your personality. Correct. What was that like for you when you did land? And then we'll go back to how it happened. How how much of a shock was it to you? And how hard was it those first couple of years to get there?
1: Oh, it was incredibly tough. I mean, there were so, a lot of dark moments. Um, you know, especially when you we took over um so late right? So yeah. it, you guys, uh, In hope maybe you do know this, like we took over uh, August 10th and we yeah. started school August the 17th. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, that was hard. Um, it, you know, what you would normally have in the summer access piece of it, where you're building relationships, you're building your chemistry, you're hanging out with your players, you're getting to know them. We, we didn't. So the first time that I met our entire team was the first day of class. Um, and so you are, you are so many things, right. Or as the, as the leader, you know, I got to find a staff late, right. I got to find a staff. Yeah. Late.
3: When everybody has pretty much solidified their jobs at this right. point, including right. you, by the way, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and we'll, we'll get into that's, that, but.
1: That's a story in itself. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I knew that coach Rudd, who had been with me in India State, he was going to come. but then I had two other, positions to fill. So, you know, and again, guys, I can't, I just can't reiterate enough how important your staff is and those guys around you, because they're going to be in the valleys with you. They're going to be when the good things happen, but when you're in the valley, well you need to make sure that you are surrounded by people that believe in you that, that are loyal and, and all of that. But um, so, you know, and then you go, okay, now we're trying to try to find out like, okay, let's look at our personnel um, philosophically you know, how I think you can win games is different than what those guys, those kids signed up for. Right. It, it just was, and it wasn't their fault. It, it just was going to be a little bit different for them. Um, and so, you know, you try to work through that. You try to do the best you can. You're trying to build relationships on the, on the, on the, on the, on the fast track or on the run. I did a poor job of that um, because I was trying to figure out strategically. Okay. What are we going to do offensively? Okay. What are we going to do defensively? Uh, Okay. Our first year, we had six teams in in the big 10 that were in the top 20 and you guys know this in our schedule, you know, usually it's, it's never, we had all six of them twice. So, you know, you're going into a season where it's like, okay, we're going to play all these guys. You know, so there's, and I'm not trying to make excuses for it. No, that's the reality. Yeah. There was a lot that went into that first year. And, um, you know, real quick
3: get... though, coach, I'm I'm curious, cause right. you, you, you've said this before that you didn't do a great job building those relationships. Part of right. that was the calendar, but Correct. when, when did you realize, cause when you're in it day to day, I can't imagine that you realized I'm not building good relationships here. You're just right. trying to get to tomorrow. get right. past today. When did right. you realize that, shoot, I, I could have done better here. And then how do you go about repairing that?
1: Sure. You know, interesting enough, I don't even think that I understood that after my first year. Um, You know, I think it took at least two, maybe three years to figure that out because here's where I went wrong. What I needed as a player from my coach was so much different than what these kids nowadays need from me. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, but please sure. articulate that a yeah, little bit. What do? Yeah, know, so, what do they
1: need so the time, the time that they want uh, to spend with you, hmm. um, you know, coming up, being in your space, um, wanting to go out for coffee, wanting to have lunch, wanting you to, um, you know, know them on a level that's deeper than just ball, deeper than just basketball. I didn't need that from coach Dunn. You know what I mean? I just didn't at the time. Um, And I didn't realize that my mistake that I made was, well, I didn't need that. Why would they need that? Right. They're fine. They're good. They're good. If I ask them, Hey, how are you doing? And they go, coach, I'm good. I'm going to take that as they're good. Right. But what I didn't do was ask now, are you really, really good? And if you're not, you and I need to spend some extra time, maybe after practice, talking about exactly what's, what's going on in your life. And, um, and so that's where I wish uh, in hindsight, I would have, have been able to, you know, just do a better job of getting to know those guys, my, especially my first year. Cause, because I, you know, anytime there's a coaching change, it, it's, it's, it's hard, probably harder for them. I mean, i am coming to Indiana, right? So right. <laughs> I'm like, Let's go. Um, and they've just now, you know, have lost their their coach that they came to to play for. And it's like, whoa, who's who's this? Who's this person? Right? Um, and so I, I wish, like I said, I, I I would have had the foresight to go, you know what? Scrap the, the the offense, scrap the defense, wins and losses. Let's just let's just build relationships. Let's just get to know these guys. And in that perhaps we can build this toughness that we wanted to have in our culture, this accountability piece that we wanted to have, um, in our organization. And, and as long as I can get them to, to believe in me and to trust me, um, then they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to get eventually they're going to be two feet in. And I, I missed that. Hmm. I missed that And I, and I regret that, but, you know, every experience gives you something, right? That you yeah. can learn from and be better. Um, and and I have, I think I've I've, in that respect, have improved and gotten better, um, in such a good way. You know, I, I used to. You know, I think I think part of it too is when you're a coach. You know, you're always trying to uh, prove to people that you belong, right? That I can do this. That watch me, watch me design this out of bounds and that's not where it's at it's in it's in being able to to impact these kids and and be somebody in their life that they know that they can count on when they leave indiana but also they grow here and they're going to have unbelievable experiences there're going to be challenges there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows but at the end of the day guess who's always going to be here you know it's it's going to be me and and so you know it's like i said i've i've grown a lot um, but it's it's been good growth. I yeah. mean good growth. What well, shows?
2: You're head coach of a of a, a Big Ten Division One basketball team, and we can't keep you here all day. Yeah. I was hoping that you could take us from leaving Purdue, you know, how you decided coaching was your destiny. And mm-hmm. at each of these stops along the way, at least as you became a head coach, Indianapolis, ISU, what did you take? From each one of those stops to prepare you for the job you have now.
1: Well, you know I was, how I got to Butler is a funny story. Um, so you guys are very familiar with the summer circuit, AU, sure. um, mm-hmm. and so I was uh, just finished at Purdue and uh, was asked to coach an AU team and. My team was pretty good. Um, (laughs) Did you,
2: did you already know at that point you wanted to get into coaching? I did.
1: I did. I did. Um, You know, I tried, I had a short stint at a high school up there at at Purdue Lafayette, uh, Jeff. And then I was like, "Mm, you know, it's, this isn't giving me enough, like, I, I got to be around these these kids more. Like, I, I can impact them if, I, if I'm if i around them more.
3: Yeah, And you realized okay. you got to get the hell out of Lafayette, West Lafayette. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest with each That's other. You've been there thing. for That's four true years. True. It's more That's than true. anyone should be there. So uh, we get
1: it. <laughs> so, so I got to ask as to be an AAU coach. And um, like I said, I, I had an incredible team. And and, and if you're from Ind- – who's from Indiana on here? Ward Me. yes so you'll remember the name stephanie white right absolutely so steph was my point guard on my youtube right that's that's Um, a good way to start coaching that's (laughs) right so i had um two young ladies that went to purdue one went to notre dame one went to arkansas and one went to penn state that was my starting five
4: wow
1: so i um I, we, and we, you know, obviously you get bit by the bug when you, you know, you, you win and you're rolling. And so, um, there was a, a lady by the name of June Olkowski that was a, obviously she's from Philly. Um,
3: I like her last name. It sounds like Pankowski. Always, I'm
1: from Philly. Right. And so <laughs> she comes from Auburn, Alabama. She had been down there with Joe Champy, uh, took the Butler job and she was looking for somebody that had, Ties to Indiana, okay. Wow. I did not know June. I had the opportunity to go back to Purdue and work with Coach um, and uh, be a uh, like a, a graduate assistant, or I could go to Butler and be a full time assistant. Well, you look at two paychecks, completely different, <laughs> right? And at that time, you're not making a ton of money, but I was going to make way more as an assistant coach than I was as a, as a, as a uh, graduate assistant. Do you remember,
3: do you remember what the salary was at Butler? Your first big (laughs) (laughs) $17,000 and I
1: thought I was rich. Yeah, exactly. That that first check that you get guys, do you remember? You're like, Oh my God. God. Are you kidding?
3: (laughs) Are you kidding? Ward and I've talked about this. My first job in Los Angeles, uh, paid, uh, just under $30,000 in 2000 and I thought I had won the lottery. I mean, that money came in, that check, I couldn't spend it fast enough. I mean, it was like, I I thought that life would be easy after that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it is funny how things change. It is. It is so funny. But, um, so, so obviously, you know, we went there and we turned that, that program around. She was terrific. Um, the only mistake she made was, um, after we had the success we had, she decided to go to Northwestern, which is, um, one of the toughest jobs I think in the country in terms of recruiting, you know, high, high level academics, not a basketball state or school. Uh, but you know, we, we had won and, uh, they obviously, you know, an opportunity, big 10 job. Uh, so we went up there, I spent one short year with, with her up there, and then I came to a crossroads, where we, which we all do, and go, look, I, you know, I've, I've been working for June now for seven years. I have learned a tremendous amount. I either need to go get a different experience or am I ready for a head job, right? Mm-hmm. and And so you always have those reservations of am I really ready, you know, and then the University of Indianapolis job came open which I was like, wow, I could go back to Indianapolis. I have all those, those coaches that I've already built relationships with. You, uh, Indies, would be a great starting place for me to, to be, become a head coach. And, um, and that's what I did. And we spent seven, seven seasons there and uh, had some success. And then I come to another uh, you know, crossroad where it's like, I, I feel like we're doing a good job um, we've done a really, you know, a lot of really, really good things here. However, am I growing? Am I getting better? And what does that look like for me? And what it looked like for me was having the opportunity to to go to a Power Five institution at Georgia Tech. And, and at the time, North Carolina, Sylvia Hatchell, Duke, I mean, a lot of really great teams in the ACC. Um, and I went there for the sole purpose because I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to become a better basketball coach in terms of X's, O's. I wanted to, I wanted to go up against the best. I wanted to scout. I wanted to pick apart everything that they were trying to do defensively, offensively, and just build on a on philosophy of, okay, how, how can I just um, keep maturing what I, what I want to do and how I want to play and what does it look like and just add pieces Take away some of the things that, yeah, I don't think I can do that, but maybe we could do this at our next stop. Spent three seasons there and then had the opportunity to go back to Indiana State, going back to Indiana and uh, taking over there. Um, and so great, great uh, opportunity. I mean, an unbelievable opportunity. Um, four seasons. Just came off winning the conference championship. And I'm sitting in the gym and the Indiana job comes op- open across a cell phone and it's all the chatter of the coaches, right? Like, oh my gosh, I use open. And at that point and I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? And there's going to be a lot of lot of people, a lot of really great candidates that want to have the opportunity to go to Indiana.
3: Not many people, I think in the history of the world, take a job while they're with their current team on their way to Costa Rica,
1: right? right?
3: <laughs> like, so- um, That's
1: exactly right. It, right. It,
3: And to just, before we get to that, because it's hilarious and and weird, (laughs) but also the opposite of that, which isn't hilarious and weird, is Kurt Miller, who was the coach, had success at Indiana. He was building something. I mean, we don't know how long it would have lasted, but they got better. Yeah. And he resigned, but was probably forced to resign, whatever. It was weird. Okay, it was just weird and nobody knew what the hell was going on on the outside, but clearly something weird happened because Mm -hmm. nobody leaves at the end of July, you know you're 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 into your program at that point,
1: right right
3: so when that came up did any part of you, part of you has to be like this is really interesting. But also, were you like, what's going on there? Is something really rotten happening that this is happening? Yeah. I mean, you're a coach. You know that right. this is not the calendar things happen Yeah,
1: by. I just think you, you know, I think for me, I, I just, uh, as, as we all do, you just kind of let it play out. Here, here's, what I, here's what I do know. Um, growing up in southern Indiana, as you, as you we've talked about, being an Indiana fan, I've always been an Indiana fan. And I always thought to myself, man, if they could just get the right person to take over that women's basketball program, you know, I think it could be a really, really good job. And I really believe that. And I thought, you know, and I think, I think that's where my thinking went like, Oh, I don't know. You know, I mean, even several years prior to Kurt coming here, uh, I guess I would have been at UND or, the job came open. Um, and that's when they hired, uh, uh, Jack coach Jack. Yeah. But I, I tried to get in the mix then, like, I was like, no, I, I, I want to try to get involved in this, um, this job and, um, had a good conversation with the AD at the time, but you know, and you guys, you know, this, right. So Sharon Versa took over at Indiana. Oh
3: yeah. We know.
1: Right. <laughs> And but you she know what, goes,
3: thank God she did. Thank God she left because, right. uh, j- not to cut you off, but she left and went to <laughs> Purdue, we get it, okay. But but all of those steps led to Fred Glass calling you. So right. walk us through that yeah. phone call and where you were.
1: So, okay, so it's interesting. So they brought in, a, I would say, I don't know, I'm gonna guess probably six, eight candidates um half day different different kind of interview than i've ever experienced um actually because i think they were doing multiple interviews in a day right Mm -hmm. so it was like i went to the north end zone talked to several groups of folks got to see fred spent some time with him boom i'm out i didn't see facilities Mm -hmm. first time i saw cook hall the inside of my office was my first day on the job. (laughs) Very strange. So, um, and so, you know, you went through this dance for several weeks, several weeks. I am, as you mentioned, I mean, we just came off a championship. We're headed to Costa Rica and I had, you know, talk to Ron Purdyman, our athletic director about, I mean, like let us go on this international trip. It would be so good for us. There's so many good things. Right. And he's like, fine, we're going to let you. So, so Costa Rico. And I kept saying to Maddie White, who's, who's our SWA and, and was leading the search. She and I would, she would call me like every week and kind of tell me where they were, tell me where they, and I'm like, Maddie, now I'm leaving. I'm leaving uh the country
4: right we're
1: driving (laughs) we're driving to Chicago on Friday night I will be leaving on Saturday okay we're gonna go through Miami and then we got Miami to Costa Rica and she's like yeah Tara we know we know you know you've told us that we know we know and I said okay I just I just you know and at that point I'm thinking I I, and Fred had called me right before I left on that Friday afternoon I'll never forget it because I was home packing and uh he and I, we have a, another very, very good conversation, very positive conversation. And I'm thinking, I think I may have a chance. Like, I really think I may have a chance. Uh, so here we go. Get on a plane. Um, land. This is what's funny about the, 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 the story. We land at uh, in Miami and as soon as you land, and you guys, you guys probably always have your phone on. Well oh, yeah. I, I turn mine off because you're supposed to.
3: Yeah, you're responsible. You're a woman. You're smarter. Ward and I are risking taking the plane down. You're shutting your phone off. I get it. <laughs>
1: so I land and I turn my phone on, and I have a voicemail from Fred. I have several text messages. One being from my assistant who's in the back of the plane saying, coach, what's going on? Question mark. Mm. And then (laughs) Greg Lansing, who's the men's coach at Indiana State, texts me, I can't tell you how excited I am. And I'm like, what? (laughs) "What?" And I'm going, "What?" I can't tell you how excited I am for you. You're going to be great. And I'm going, (laughs) What is going on? Like, so I and again at this point, guys, I haven't even listened to the voicemail. I literally—you don't even know you
2: have the job. You think everybody's really excited about the Costa Rica games? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And, I, and then there's a text from Ron Purdyman: "Call me as soon as possible." And I'm going, okay, something, something's happened right between the time that we left Chicago and we've landed in Miami, like, and so I get off. I, um, call Fred and, uh, of course he's, I'm going to send you, you know, the contract. We want you to be the next coach here. Da, 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 da. Um, and then it comes to, um, the, okay. The end of it. Great. I'm excited. He's excited. We're excited. Now, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, are you going to now here? And here's the thing they wanted to announce it like then. And I'm like, like, and he knew he was awesome. Like, I know you're with your team. And I know this is really, really incredibly hard. So you tell me what you want to do. And we will, we will accommodate however you want to handle this, which I was grateful for.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And, of course, I said, well, let let me just hop off here. Let, let me get sort of my, you know, <laughs> yeah, my let thoughts. Let me get together. off
3: the plane. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'll call you back, right? And so, the more I thought about it, my other assistant who had been with me, um, you know, I talked to my staff and he was like, look, I'd love to go with you, but I also have my own dreams of being a head coach. And if there's any possible way that I could use this as an opportunity, then I would love to take the team on to Costa Rica if you chose not to come with us. Right. That was one of the, the options. And, um. And I said, you know, it just makes sense. It's not fair for these kids if I go. And then at the end of this great trip that we're going to have, because the international trips are the best. Mm -hmm. um, I say to them, Hey guys, I'm, I'm not, I'm no longer going to be your coach. And um, what I would, uh, what I would suggest being in the Miami airport, telling your team you're leaving is not a good place to break the news. Right. And share that kind of thing with them. It was, where in were you of, at? Like,
3: at, where were you at Cinnabon? Um, like, what are you doing with this?
1: <laughs> this is what's funny. It's kind of like, you're trying to organize like this, like, a, you know, I mean, you can imagine people are waiting for flights Yeah, and you're just trying to find a spot where it's like, okay, where can 20, you know, 15 people be intimate enough, like just a, in a, in a small space. And so we're trying to like, you know, all right, crowd, you know, come here. I'll be there. Two, two people, two, two ladies, just right in front, you know, they were all up in our, <laughs> I don't forget it. I'm looking at them because, you know, I am, this is a team that again has bought into everything. They just won a championship. They are all in. Right. And I'm telling them that, you know, that this is part of, you know, your, your our profession that we all have these life lifelong dream, you know, dreams of coaching and what, you know, where we want to be and, and, um, as much as I loved every minute of being there with those guys, I just felt like it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. And they understood it at the time. They weren't happy. They were there, you know, a lot of lot of me also being very emotional and choked up. And, yeah. you know, I have these two weird ladies that are looking at me going like, what's, what's going on here? I wish and, they would have weighed so- in.
3: I wish they would have just like <laughs> shared their opinion. You know, I think you should go, honey. This is it.
4: This is your dream. <laughs>
1: That's right so it was it was very odd and and I got I will say this I got uh, a lot of heat for that uh, a lot of people I pundits thought that that was like just the worst thing I could do to um, you know a set of you know my team and at the time um, I didn't look at it that way because like you said when you've developed relationships and these kids know where your heart is and who you are and you 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 know. Can articulate it in a way that it's like you have to go, like you have to go, and we get it, and we're gonna miss you, and da 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 da. But you know, ultimately, and then, uh, and I'll tell you this: I saw those pictures the next week, and they weren't they weren't missing Coach Morin. We're having a heck of a time. So, did you
3: you stay in the airport? Like, did you just book a trip to Indiana?
1: Yeah. So what I did was uh, Coach Rhett, who is uh, kind of my right hand been with me the longest, knows me the best. Um, I look at him and, and he's like, um, cause I had talked to my other coach who wanted to stay, right. He wanted mm-hmm. to stay in Costa Rica and Rat was like, I'm, mm-mm, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm
4: <laughs> wow. right.
1: And I said, well, you probably should go, go to Costa Rica and help Joey. And at the time, and um, you can, you know, when you when you come back, you know, you're gonna be with, you know, you know on my staff and and with me and so forth. And so he said, uh, I gave him my credit card and I said, just find me the next ticket home back to Indy. And what? and then it's like, you know, watching my kids leave. Yeah. And um, and how, yeah. How emotional
3: were you? Were you in tears? I they, the, oh
1: yeah. The team oh, yeah. was
3: in tears. I would imagine. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I
3: mean, I'm almost in tears just hearing the story seven years later.
1: So bittersweet, right? It's such a bittersweet because you're like, Oh my God, like I have this unbelievable opportunity, you know, to, to go, um, in to Indiana and be the head coach here. Um, and it's something that I probably have said over and over in my mind. Like I said, to you guys, if they could only find the right person, right. Mm -hmm. And here it's like, I'm going, and then and then you know you're you're sharing it with your parents and your, yeah. your your friends and family, and then it comes across, you know, social and everybody, you know. So it it, it um it's bittersweet, but it was incredible. One of the not the hardest thing, but one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, um, ever had to do. So
2: well, and and to take it there to that happy place. What did you get to break the news to your family? Was it already out there before you? I got did. No,
1: I got like, to do that. Um, you know, Fred, like you said, I think it broke that evening. And so I got to call, um, I had the opportunity to call everybody that in my family. And of course, my mom and dad and sister, my sister's an Indiana grad. So, uh, you know, she was, she was certainly excited. My brother went to the other school with me. Um, but, um, you know, and, and, um, and so I, you know, everybody in my life that, that, you know, means anything, I, I certainly got to them um, first. And so everybody was, was certainly excited, you know, that I was not, you know, I was staying in this state, but also that I had the opportunity to, to uh, you know, lead this, lead this basketball program. So it's kind of cool.
3: At what point does the conversation happen between you and Fred, where Fred says, listen, I want you but you cannot use us as a stepping stone to get sure. to Purdue. Right. And then, and then it's, it's been reported that there is a buyout clause in your contract that if Purdue ever wanted you, they would yeah. have to pay $10 million. Now, look, that's insane. Right. I want to know how that makes you feel <laughs> to know that that's the value they're putting on she you. Never- but also... I'm very curious on when that conversation happened with Fred, because clearly it happened.
1: It happened um, in that conversation in Miami, in that airport. Um, And this is how he's brilliant. He he is such a brilliant man. Um, And and it wasn't. uh, I was like, what? Like when I he's like, you know, he's like, no, he's like you know, and you, and you guys know Fred, right? Like a
3: little bit. I mean, not, like, not, we're not friendly.
4: <laughs> we're right, not no, it's like, <laughs> you know,
1: like Terry, you know, don't screw this up for me. Right. Because right. taking this chance on you and I want you here and I think you're, you're the right person for this job, but we can't have what happened here several years ago with Sharon Versa leaving to go to Purdue. Like I just, I can't have that. And I'm, yeah, I, I was I thought it was funny. Um we got you know, people think it's funny when they ask her like, is this really in your contract? I'm like, yeah, it kind of is. Um, but um, but I was all in with him. I mean, I was. I was all in with him, and he was a terrific leader. Um, really, really sad when he uh I got that phone call that he was gonna retire. I love Scott Dolson. I think Scott's gonna do a great job. Uh, but yeah but Fred's uh, you know, Fred the guy my, who brought you Fred in was my guy. yeah Fred, Fred's my guy. he's my guy well so, it was
2: um, was part of obviously the buyout is a great disincentive for Purdue to try to poach you mm-hmm. but did you ever tell Fred like hey I I, I grew up an Indiana fan I've <laughs> I've fantasized about like this job yeah. I tried to get in there before because going into this conversation with you I was like a Purdue, a Purdue gal at IU. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. I know she's great, but I'm, right. I'm skeptical. But right. then just here in like an hour, I feel like you, you are a Hoosier gal and that, yeah. that was your, your roots. And you had to go flirt with the evil empire for a while, learn right. some stuff, right. but, but don't you feel like you're as much or, or more a Hoosier now than a boiler?
1: I, you know, it's kind of weird. Cause I do. Um, and I think it's just because of, again, where I grew up and, um, you know, everything in our house was Indiana. Everything in our house was Hoosiers. Everything. Um, and so, you know, as I said, I, I I literally, I I really went to Purdue because I wanted to play for Coach Dunn. Um, and that, that was it. That was it. I mean, that was the selling point for me. Um, but I have always just had this place where i think like i'm i'm supposed to be here i am i'm a hoosier it's easy for me like people are like god it has to be so hard for you to go back to purdue no it's not it's not hard for me at all because uh, one i believe in in this program i believe in this institution and i want to kick their rear ends any, any yes. have, right <laughs> and so i got no problem with that uh i love the fact that uh you know we uh, our our record. You know which you had stated earlier. You know seven
3: would, and one I, over the last eight games. I like right. saying. It.
1: I like So it. it's so it's so funny though, guys, because I find myself, I catch myself saying the same things to our players that Coach would say to us, like, "Girls, we don't, we never, ever will lose to Indiana. Well, while, yeah. while you're like in your four years, you will never lose to Indiana. You just don't, right? And we never did. Um, and it's like. Now, you know, you, 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 it's, I'm saying the same thing. It's like, <laughs> hey, so-and-so, she used to say, you know, hey, uh, it, it, she, she'd go, hey, Morin you know, so-and-so, uh, you know, I took you and she went to Indiana because I wanted you here, right? I didn't want her here. I wanted you here. That's and good. so, and then I was, she, would, she would just say things and, and uh, you know, th- that would be her pregame speech to make sure that we were in check. Like, mm, it is unacceptable. Um, And so now I find myself doing the same thing with my guys trying to get them like, Oh, it's, it's a rivalry and they love it. My kids love it. Um, And it's been fun. It's been fun.
2: And and we're all very well versed in the in-state recruiting battles between IU and Purdue. One's at a fever pitch right now on the men's side with Trey Kaufman. We're all, we're all sitting on uh, the edge of our seat here for that one. I'm wondering a little bit more of the landscape, you know, between you and Purdue and just Indiana in general with, with the ladies talent, because I grew up in Peru, Indiana. We had Lauren Rice, who went on to Duke. Uh, Our, the big rivals were uh, Ruth Riley would, would come into town. She was one of the other County schools and she went to Notre Dame and they did great. So I, I know the ladies talent is really high in the state too. So is that, is that something you're competing with Purdue? Are you competing with the other big programs around the country trying to come in and poach?
1: We are. Um, and this is where it's it's recruiting on the women's side, particularly in Indiana, in my opinion, has changed. Um, because when I came out, I didn't want to, the thought of leaving the state and not representing my state was sort of foreign to me. It's like, really? Like, I don't, I had some other opportunities, but it's like, no, I, I, I want to stay here. Like, I want to, I want to represent my state. What we're finding now is some of the top kids that are coming out of Indiana, a lot of them are choosing to want to leave the state. Mm. And, and that's what we hear. It's like, there's nothing wrong with the way you've recruited me or, you know, the coach will say, it's not nothing to do with that. She just wants a different experience. She wants to get out of Indiana. She wants to leave Indiana. Um, and so it's, it's been very interesting. So, so we have opened our recruiting up and in search of kids that, again, as I said, fit us. Um, And and how we play and how we work. And a lot of those kids um, have been out of the state of Indiana. Now, I don't, I I can't tell you that I'm, 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 I like that. I would love to keep all the great Indiana, Indiana talent here. Um, But sometimes, you know, that just, that's, that just hasn't happened. And I know Archie's had, Archie's had a lot of success because I know his philosophy is recruiting inside out and and he's he's done that but we on the other we on the other side of it have had a a little bit more of a challenge you know now that you have you know the the connecticut's and now you have the oregons i mean we've had we've lost two kids to oregon and oregon was in women's basketball you know they just kind of came on
3: they got a lot of that nike money right you know what though coach i i wonder i wonder though you know Archie has had success keeping kids in. And the truth is most coaches at Indiana, the first several years have success keeping Indiana kids. But a lot of right. that is because we also have about a hundred years of legacy uh, that Indiana basketball on the men's side is meaningful. And if you come right. here, you become a legend in the state. The women, right. you don't have that sales pitch at uh, on the women's yeah. side. So, I do wonder it's like what you're doing now will help recruiting hopefully you'll still be there in twenty years when you're recruiting those kids yeah. because Indiana has a legacy, but your pitch has to just be i'm going to help develop you, and our team is going to win and bloomington's a really great right. place to be right but right. but you don't right. have that big you know leverage that that the men's sure. side has with the legacy
1: you're absolutely right, and you know I think one of the other things we we'll, we say because a lot of these dads, especially understand, like when you talk to dads, it's always Bobby Knight, right? Bobby Knight banners. Um, So there's this tradition, right? That's across the hallway from us. And what we always tell our kids is that part of the vision is, Hey, be a part of create, let's, let's create a tradition Mm. here in women's basketball. Let's have our own tradition. So when people talk about Indiana basketball, it's not exclusive to just men's basketball. It's, they have a great men's program. Oh, and by the way, their women are really good too.
2: Well, well um, honestly, and so the the women have been better lately. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's true.
1: It's true. Well, we, we hope that we can uh we we our goal is to continue that, but you know what I'm saying? Like we want yeah. people on the outside, particularly I I would say here in the state of Indiana, but of course it helps outside the state as well, you know, that they they see you on TV, um, uh, they see you be, you know, South Carolina. Oh, there must be something, something, something's going on there. Right. Um, with their women's basketball program. And so that's kind of where, where we are. We we do have some momentum. Um, we're, you know, and I think that we, to your point, I think that it hopefully we'll get to a point where I do think we have to get deep into the tournament and I'm talking elite eight final four in order for some of those. And I hate calling them five stars and four stars. Cause you can't, to me, it's like, that's all great. But at the end of the day, you can't rate their heart. You don't know what their work ethics like. There's no stars on those two things. And I think it's always hard to evaluate that because I, I do believe you can win with kids that are just the grinders and the, the hustlers and want to be in the gym and, you know, love the game. Um, and so I, I do hope we get to a point where we're, we're in the same conversation with, and we are now kind of, you know, with kids that are, we're, we're battling, uh, some, some, you know, really, really great institutions for kids. I mean, we are there right you now. Are. I
3: mean, you're recruiting. I mean, look, yeah. all we have to go on is the star rankings, but right. who you are in the conversations with, who you have landed. Right. Uh, and look, you know, you were, even though there was a culture clash, you had Amanda Cahill and Tyra Bus. you know, when yeah. you came in, which is fortuitous timing. You know, that that right. you all arrive at the same time. Right. And it took you a full year to get good, truthfully. Yeah. Right. That yeah. first year, like you said, it was you had a lot of transfers, you had people leave. <laughs> and then that second year, you really started rolling. But right. but your recruiting seems like every year has just continued to go. And I have to think Amanda and Tyra and what you did with them have been a big part yeah. of that.
1: No doubt. No doubt about it. No doubt about it that they were significant um, to the to to getting Allie Patberg, to getting Brenna Wise. Yes. Because if you'll remember, Allie and uh, Brenna's gap year was the senior year of Tyra and, and Amanda. So it's like, here's who you two get to replace once they graduate. And so Tyra and Cahill were very instrumental in that recruiting process with those two guys. Um, matter of fact, when we brought them, we brought them in together on the recruiting trip visit and Tyra and B, uh, we, we made them work out together. And at that point, it was kind of like Allie could see herself, you know, and then finally Brenna made a, you know, her decision. And so it worked out, but no doubt that the two of them have had, um, a significant, um, you know, I mean, what they've done and then and then the NIT run that helped. you know, obviously oh. winning and then this community and how they've sort of fallen in love with women's basketball. Um, and so. But, yeah, it did. It certainly did start, you know, uh, with 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 uh, Tyron and Kay Hill. They, Can, they got Hill.
3: Yeah. Can I focus for a second? Because well, I, I know I'm trying to be conscious of your time. Mm-hmm. I want to focus on the NIT thing for a second because yeah. it's maybe my single favorite thing that I've read about you.
4: Okay.
3: That it was your uh, fourth year, right?
4: Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: Fourth right. year.
1: Yep.
3: You had, you had struggled first year, second year you go to the tournament, you know, um, or wait, was it your third year?
1: Second year, second year. Yeah. Second so- year you go to the
3: NCAA right. and then, and then Tyra and Amanda's fourth year you win the NIT.
4: Right, And
3: it was magical. You got to play all those games at assembly hall. You set an attendance record. You set an attendance record for the season, average, you know, uh, attendance, but you bring in 13,000 for the final game and Mm -hmm. you win. And it is a, it is a jubilant celebration.
4: Sure.
3: But my favorite thing that I have read and why I love you so much (laughs) is because it bothers you that you made the NIT and not the NCAA tournament, even though this was the greatest moment in the history of Indiana women's basketball, no doubt. Right. Right. What sticks in your craw about that?
1: Well, it was, uh, you know, Tyra and Cahill's senior year. And, um, we were on the outside looking in of the NCAA tournament and had a good case for why we should be in. Sure. And, um, Unfortunately, we were left out. And so that was it was hard because I wanted, you know, I think, um, you know, you want especially kids like that that have had such an impact um, when things were um, in that first year when things were like not not good, not not good at some moments. Those two kids were like, no, I, I, I believe in how you want to play. Mm -hmm. I believe in what you want to do. I believe in what you want us to become and what this program, what you want it to look like and what you want it to become. So I'm all in with you. Right. And so you just, you want them to have an opportunity because the NCAA is, I mean, that's what we we kind of play for guys. Mm -hmm. You play for, you play that entire season and then You wait till that one one night in March, right, where you're that that selection Monday where you're like, I just want our kids to experience their name coming up on that TV and I want them because they deserve it. Right. And so for that not to happen, we were together. Didn't happen. I could just see the disappointment, the pain,
4: Hmm.
1: um, especially in the two of them. And the next day we have a 24 hour rule around here win or lose, you get 24 hours to feel a certain way and then you got to move on and then yeah. you got to move on. And so I, uh, I, I, said to him right before, I said, look, you know, we have an opportunity to play in the NIT. Um, and I, I would suggest this to you too. If, if we're going to play in it, then we better freaking play in it to win it and prove to those people that left you out that you deserve to be in Right. That's very, That's-
3: very Bobby Knight-esque.
1: Yeah. Very right.
3: Bobby it's-
4: Knight-esque.
1: <laughs> so and that's what we did and um you know Fred was awesome in, in terms of landing all those games and um as you mentioned you know our our attendance went up and uh, I've been to a lot of games never ever 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 uh, had seen fans in the rafters watching a women's game and I re- I remember after every round because it just kept Know our our fans would just increase. I remember, and I'm, and again, this is part of my growth as a as a coach. I would I would at the very at the very end when we would howl up, I would make our kids pause and just look around, mm. like take it in, take this moment yes. right? Because it's such a great. And then it's like when you're playing eight thousand, and then you're it's it's ten thousand, and then you're the challenge okay can we get to 13, you know? And, and so I'm so grateful and thankful that I, 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 I made them do that because those are the moments they are not going to forget. Like they just, it was unbelievable. Um, and it just helped us in, in, uh, in so many ways, just not recruiting community wise. Totally. They, they got on. Board.
3: Totally. I was going to say to you, Obviously you play for the NCAA tournament. You're right. And I love that your bar for success is no, we're yeah. going for the big thing. We're going to be big 10 champions and go for that. That right. said, those six games in that run did more to connect IU women's basketball to the community and the fans than any other time in the history of the program. And had you not had those, I do even wonder, even if you had won one game in the NCAA tournament, right. I don't think you would have had the the groundswell support that now exists for yeah. you. I went to a game last year, my first women's game that I went to since I was a student there, when yeah. you waxed Purdue, by the way, which was awesome, <laughs> and it was a great crowd, and people were yeah. so invested in the game, and I loved it, it was right. so enjoyable, so yeah. anyway, uh, yeah. I just wanted to hit that. Cool. I,
1: yeah, I'll no, it was through. really, you hit it on the head, I mean, it's, it's been incredible, and and again, it's, this community has they have another love affair and it's with women's basketball. Yes. And it used to be exclusively to the men's side. Um, and um, our kids now, we can't go very, very few places here in Bloomington. And you know what our community is like, cause you guys lived here. It's like, are we going to have a season? Oh my God. I love, you know, da, 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 da. and they can go through your roster and it's kind of like, Whoa, like they're great. invested. They're invested. It's, it's, yeah. And, and that's a selling point in recruiting. You know, when these young ladies are coming from, you know, the state of, you know, wherever and it's like, look, look, this is our energy. This is what our crowds look like. This is, you know, what what, would, you know, you you have to look forward to. And um, there is no question that they give us a, a tremendous amount of energy. There's nothing like playing, and our kids would all say it, there's nothing like playing in assembly hall, you know, when you have six that six seven thousand for us uh you know and they're and they're smart you know they know when that you need them and uh you know when you're when you need a a stop and they know when you need a good basket and um so it's it's been really really great you know for, for for us i just uh i hope you know like i said we have some momentum and i hope with covid we probably won't have many fans in the stand so i don't think they'll forget us but uh you know you just we just you know you just hope that you can keep things rolling, right?
4: Yes.
2: Well, and and you certainly kept them rolling off of that NIT and, and this historic run that you've been on and we're certain you're con- going to continue to be on. I want to just get a little wonky with it <laughs> and obviously when you first show up it's a little bit about like this is what I want to do and this is how I want to do it but this is right. also the personnel I have right and I kind of got to make it work here and over the years you can start to bring in the the players and the pieces right. that really fit your system so can you talk a little bit now and I'm sure it's always evolving but you know when you're you're talking to a recruit and you're saying mm-hmm. this is the kind of basketball we play oh, at Indiana yeah. what are some of the specifics you say
1: well, and here's what everybody will tell you. I, everybody wants to play fast, and so you know we we and we're not. Uh, that's how we want to play. We we call it downhill. We want to play downhill, um, and we want to open our our floor up with with great spacing, and we want to give our kids opportunities to be good at what they're good at, right? Mm-hmm. And whether that is coming off ball screens, uh, Grace Burger. Has an unbelievable mid-range game. Um, Allie Patberg can do a little bit of everything. You know, we have stretch fours that can, you know, obviously, you know, shoot at a high, high, high clip outside the three-point line. We have, you know, an inside presence with McKenzie Holmes. I mean, so we want to play in different ways. We want great balance. Um, but I think the thing that that our our recruits see, and we're able to send this usually in videos, is that one, we're going to share the ball uh we always make the extra pass yes. we're gonna make the, the the right decision and i think the fans that come and watch us play that's one of the things they appreciate we're not above the rim we don't dunk but man do we share the sugar like we share the ball <laughs> right you do um, you do and, the best
2: part it's right best
1: and it's part. it's pretty to watch when it's done mm-hmm. the right way and we have enough clips that can you know that that um you know, provide that for our athletes. Like we can say it, but no, we're going to show you this is what we look like when we're sharing the ball. Um, And then we, we also talk about the other side. We're going to guard hard. We're, we're, we're uh, um, we're going to bend, but we're not going to break. You know, we are not going to, we're not a pressing team, but we are, we pride ourselves on being a smart team. Uh, We're not high risk, but we're going to guard you hard. Um, we're very, we're very, uh, specific when it comes to scouting reports. We're not, we're unlike a lot of, um, programs where I think they're going to guard a ball screen two different ways. No, we're going to be more specific. This is, we're going to guard the ball screen because we think this gives us the best chance at disrupting you offensively. Mm -hmm. And, and so our kids appreciate that. We watch a ton of film. Our kids are always prepared. Um, there's usually never very not very often are they surprised by anything they get to see um and then the other piece of this is we have kids that want to play at the next level the player development piece we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make sure that every year uh, after every season we're gonna evaluate you mid-season at the end of season we're gonna figure out okay where are the holes in your game where can we help you and then what do you how do you want to grow your game and then once once they get to be a part of that, then it's like, OK, well, this is how this is going to be the plan. And now it's like you, you your responsibility is to show up every day now that we know what you want to do. Um, and then if you tell me your goals, then I'm, I'm, I'm I have just enough energy still and I'm going to hold you accountable to all those things that you want to do. Right. You want to say you want to do um and that's a lot of our kids want to be pros they want to you know whether it's in the WNBA or go overseas and and so we're still fighting for that i mean i want kids that um you know i want a program that when kids come and visit that they they get to see jerseys you know of these kids that are playing professionally whether it's nba jerseys and we're still on our quest for that you know tyra got had a cup of coffee i think at connecticut but you know um but like I think Allie Patberg has an opportunity to 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 find herself in the league. I think Grace Berger has an opportunity to find herself in the league, Jalen Penn. And so, you know, um, that's what I want our prospects and our recruits to know they can look forward to if they decide to come, you know, to come to Indiana and be a part of what we're what we do here.
3: When you came to Indiana, the word on you was defensive minded, tough right. approach. That was 2014-15, and the game continues to evolve on both sides, men and women. Right. And it is more wide open and spacing and ball screens, pro style, I guess, you know. Right. Is the offensive style that you're playing now, the downhill approach, is that an evolution for you? Has your style changed over the last – even since you've been at Indiana, the last six seasons?
1: It has. Um, I think because of the, the kids that we have in our program – uh, the certain skill sets that they bring. Um, I used to be the coach that really wanted to have a hold on, I'm going to be in control here. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, and so I've allowed our kids, uh, I've loosened the reins a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I want them to play freely. I want them to play to their skill level because some of them are unbelievable in the open floor. Um, And I want them to play in in, uh, with with uh, not having like I think sometimes, you know, there's this kind of like it goes here to here to here to here. And I don't want to play like that. I don't think people Mm -hmm. like watching that. So I think a lot of it, some of it is about, okay, how can we entertain um, our fans uh, with good basketball where they'll keep coming back because we're, we are really good fundamentally, but we also have athleticism. We have size, we can shoot it. Uh, we're going to, like I I said, we're going to share it. We're going to play pure basketball. And, um, and so that's, it has, it has, uh, evolved because I used to run a lot of sets, um, be very set oriented and I have, um, been, and I think part of it is because I have, guys on my staff that are love the pros, right? They love NBA basketball. And so we sit around here, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, a lot of basketball. And so we found it if we can, we have the personnel, the right pieces to be able to play the way, you know, some of the ways that the Milwaukee Bucks played when you watch them and Miami Heat played and, um, and, you know, some of, some of the ways that they can open the floor random screens that they they use and we've we've taken that and we've added that into our playbook and and How it's hard really was
3: that for you to it, you know when case?
1: you yeah oh hard, hard. yeah <laughs> I'm a, I'm a point guard,
3: right, right like, you I, control I, the I'm game
1: answered, right, absolutely and so I always tell our kids that you know as long as we can stay under the you know 12 turnovers I'd like to be well under that but if we start turning it over and I'll just I'll, I'll make adjustments, right. Um, To, to what we're doing, but um, our kids enjoy that. They love playing that way. I think that's so important too, is to meet your guys halfway that they enjoy that. They don't want to, they don't want to have handcuffs on them. They want to be able, you know, Mackenzie Holmes is a great example of, you know, one of the, one of the gifts of this pandemic is that she is, she has stretched her game out. You know, she's a five that can now, you know, step out and hit. Um, you know, hit threes. And so she's going to open things up for us offensively because she's going to be harder to guard. Um, And so you want them to, uh, you know, have a part in, like I said, in growing their game uh, and involving as a player and feel like they are like, I'm getting better because you're allowing me to, to, to play this way. Um, And so, um, yeah, it's, but it's been a good thing too, because we we've scored more points last year uh, You know than we we ever had in just allowing them to um, you know, to do that. So we're we're not only scoring points. I will say, I am a when it comes to defense, I am a defensive minded. But as I've evolved, you know, I am opening up our offense more. I want to get stops. I get I hate it. Our guys know this. My staff, you know, I don't think anybody should ever score on us. And they're like, Coach, like, that's not realistic. And I'm like, I'm a, I still I still want that to be our goal, right? Yeah, I like that. Um, right, but um. Yeah, so it's yeah I think our kids enjoy um, enjoy how we play our style. They clearly
2: do. You can you yeah. can see it. You're talking about benchmarks, and I think sending Tyra and Amanda out in this iconic moment for Indiana mm-hmm. women's basketball it was glorious. It was you know yeah. something that that really the whole nation took notice of because you you just don't see a women's basketball game rocking like that, you know, particularly for an NIT, right. But you you have bigger fish to fry. Mm
4: -hmm. Can you
2: take us to when you did get to selection Sunday and, and when, when you finally heard as the head coach, your Indiana Hoosiers selected in the NCAA tournament, what it was like for you, for the team, and what it felt like it meant for the program.
1: Interesting. And here's the thing, Uh, there's no other, there's a lot of moments, big moments that you're going to have like in your time, right? Every year there's moments where it's like, whether you come off of a big win, um, but there's nothing like selection Monday uh, when you, you know, uh, not always have, we know we've always some, you know, there's been, there's been a couple of years where we've found the bubble. Right. And you're like, and now you guys remember the, the year, not last year, but the year before that was when the, uh, it got released, you know, early, um, early. Yeah. That? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. That was another one of those moments where I get text messages, congratulations. And I'm going, what on what? Like, <laughs> Such what? a screw up. Yeah, Cause you know, I'm not, um, I, I'm not a big social media. Like I'll look at some things, but I try to stay off those things. Cause I think sometimes, you know, I've learned as the head coach here at Indiana that um, to keep my validation meters on the inside and not the outside.
3: That is yeah. smart. That is you know, smart.
1: You, you, because if you don't, you're right, you can get caught up in that. And I don't I don't want to get caught up in in that. I, I, I want to do this for the right reasons. And I want to have an impact in these kids are the most important thing. And that's, that's where I want my focus to be, if that makes sense. Does. But I will say this, there's nothing, even though we did know we were going to be selected, there's just, there's this unbelievable, undescribable joy that still goes into that, you know? And, and part of it is because you don't know, who you're going to play. You don't know where you're going to be sent. So there is still this element of surprise, like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. We're going to go to, you know, uh, Oregon and get to play Texas and then have to play Oregon if we beat Texas. Right. Um, and that's what was so painful for me this year
4: yeah. um,
1: is because I had five freshmen and Brenna Wise, my lone senior mm-hmm. that those freshmen had never experienced that and Brenna came to Indiana because she, that's why, because she's like, I want to go to the tournament. I want to be, I want to play in the NCAA tournament. I want an opportunity to help a program get, make a deep run. And so when that happened and that was taken away, it's like, you just feel so sorry for those kids. Because yeah. it is, it, it, there's, it, it's unbelievable. It's hard to describe and it never gets old. Never, ever gets old. As many times as I've, you know, in the other programs that I've been a part of, and we, you do all, you, you do the same things, right? You all have a, a selection show party or get together. It never gets old. And, oh,
3: uh, oh, believe me. We know it never gets old. <laughs> because we haven't seen it that often on the yeah. side. So, uh, no, it was it was exhilarating following that with you. It's, um, it's also validation, not in the moment, but for an entire body of work. It's like you go on this journey together from your right. first workouts after the previous year end, right. and this is what you played for. Right. I want to ask um how it fits into all this, because we've talked about Tom Allen a couple times, and of course, he is mm-hmm. famous for LEO. Love
4: each other. Right.
3: Right. You have your own mantra that I that doesn't right. get as much play as as that one, but it should. And I wonder if you can um tell us the origin of it and, and, and break it down for us. It's, it seems self-explanatory, but, but I'm sure there's more to it. Can you first tell us what it is?
1: Well, there's two things. We either, we sign off always with work or doing the work.
3: I like
4: that. So,
1: um, and, um, and I, that primarily just comes, I think from my background, my Midwestern upbringing, you know, parents, both work blue collar, um, you know they would they would always remind us that um you cannot be anything you want to be you can only be what you deserve to be mm. and so like you that. know yeah so I, I think every day it was like you know whether my grandparents they minded us my grandfather worked on the railroad he was a farmer i mean we that's the only thing we knew and our parents would just look if you guys want to be anything in life um you got to work you just got to work and, um, and I wish there was even a, a better story to that, but that's yeah, really good. Inspiring. I mean, it's, as I said to you guys, and I, I remind our players all the time, it's, there's no secret sauce. There's no recipe. It just, it takes what it takes. And, and a lot of that requires sacrifice and it requires time and it requires passion and love for what you're doing. And if you, if you pour those things into what you're doing, there's a really good chance you're going to become good hmm. at, at what you're doing. Right. And, um,
3: where did the saying graduate win serve?
1: Come okay. From? Well, that's, that's, those are like what we call the tenants, um, or the cornerstones of our program. When I first got to Indiana, um, and again, you're developing, you know, you're talking about this vision. Okay. Sure. of of what you want your program to look like. Um, and, and for, 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 for me, graduating, and I always, I'll tell parents this, like, basketball is never going to supersede your academic experience here. It just not, it's just not going to be the way, because you're here for, one your first reason is, is for academics, right, is to get a great degree from an unbelievable institution. So the graduation piece, because that's always paramount and important to parents. If my kid comes to you, are you going to make sure that they graduate? We're going to cover that. We're going to get that. you right. We're going to, we're going to make sure that happens. And then the winning part is just what we're doing. I mean, we're building a winning program. We're going to win while we're, while you're here. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is this, this servant heart that we feel like we uh, we have for our community, for our, the young people, particularly girls that yeah. come and watch us and, How can we pour back into our community? How can we pour back into those lives of kids that come and watch us play? And one of the cool things we do, and we get so much credit for it, is regardless, 20 minutes, win or lose, we're going to put 20 minutes on the clock after a game, and we're going to greet the fans. Mm
4: -hmm. We're going
1: to stay down there. We're going to take pictures, win or lose. And I always tell my guys, like, and we haven't lost very often in the hall, which has been great. But it's a gr- it's a it's a it's a great humbling experience for them because now they have to put aside whatever frustrations, disappointments, whether they played bad, whether they didn't play at all, whatever they're going through, and they have to set that aside for 20 minutes, and 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 as I call it, pour into somebody else, give somebody else good juice, give somebody good energy. Um, ask them to come back, ask them to come back and support us. It's been the best thing that we've done here. Um, and, and, and then it goes even further into our community. So how can we help, you know, those fans that are going to come out, you know, whether it's reading, you know, to elementary schools, whether it's walking in breast cancer awareness, I mean, how can we give back to our community in hopes that they're going to give back to Indiana women's basketball and support. And, um, and so that's kind of where it comes. And then, and then there's this other piece of it, guys, it's about me serving my staff and our players and how do, how do our, how do we as a staff serve our players? And then how do my players serve each other? How, what are they doing for each other every day that builds them up, that gives them energy, that gives them good juice, whether they say something, whether they, you know, this point we can't high five in the pandemic what do we air air (laughs) elbow you know that kind of stuff and so it's about also having this this idea that we can serve one another um while we're here in in different ways and and so it's it's just kind of been what we've what we've built this um what we've built our program on and and again it's something that we talk to our recruits about
3: well Um, look um You've given us more time than I think you ever probably wanted to. And we appreciate it. We could talk to you for hours and hours. I'm
2: just, I'm just looking at, at you know, Big Ten Coach of the Year, beating yeah. a top five team, going undefeated at Assembly Hall for a season at the same time mm-hmm. the men's did. The list of accomplishments in relatively few years is amazing. So, Eric, I think you're going to say, we'll just have to do a part two tomorrow, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely have to do a part two after next Selection
3: Sunday, right. that, or That's Selection Monday, I Monday, should say. Yeah, um,
1: yeah you guys I, are invited. When we win our first Big Ten championship, I know you both uh, smoke cigars, too. So, yeah. Um, you'll have to come back into town. My, my father's 86 years old uh, and uh, would love to sit on uh, any porch and yes. smoke a cigar with with two Hoosiers. We're, We're in, but, but you
3: you <laughs> got to smoke one with us, too. I will. I
1: will. All right. Now, I've been known. I've been known to do that, but that I, that, that needs to be kept a secret, right? Well, the, not I'm anymore. That. <laughs>
3: <laughs> let me let me say this in in wrapping up. Indiana women's basketball was not a thing in my life, and I am as big of an Indiana fan as is Ward as is possible, because it they didn't win, it wasn't relevant. It is part of my life in such a way now. I have two daughters. I have a 10-year-old and an, uh, uh, an eight-year-old, just turned eight. They'll watch Indiana men's basketball games with me. They don't really care. They care because it makes me happy if we win. Sure. They love Indiana women's basketball. Awesome. You have given them role models. They, I get choked up talking about it because I, my daughter tells me she wants to be an Indiana basketball player. She's got a picture of Tyra bus, you know, like she wants to be an Indiana women's basketball player. She wants me, she said, I want you to take me to Bloomington. I want to go to an Indiana women's game. And that's going to happen whenever, as soon as it can. Right. What you have done there is so much bigger than just wins and losses. You have given a community of people, you have given fathers and mothers of daughters Mm -hmm. something to strive for, something that gives them joy, something that makes us feel like we are part of something bigger than us. Yeah. And I just keep thinking about you saying all those years, if they only had the right coach, if they only had the right coach, we got the right coach. <laughs> you're it. We love you. We love what you're doing. And Thanks. we are so on board. Anything yeah. we can do to support the program, we are your biggest fans. We are right there with you. Thank you.
1: I appreciate that. It's been nice to spend time with you guys. Who's your hysterics? Who's your hysterics?
2: What a badass
3: she's awesome right she's awesome yeah she's gonna smoke a cigar with us with her dad i mean is that the greatest cigar herf of all time
2: i mean i just envision it on his porch in seymour yes and we want them to give us the tour of the gymnasium in seymour which is legendary I think we make a whole thing out of it. There's going to be a lot of good Twitter videos come out of that. I'll tell you that.
3: I love it. I mean, we just got to get a vaccine. I mean, we got to get a vaccine so we can get out there, right? I mean, that's the reason we need the
2: vaccine. We're going to have to go for like a semester. We have so many people we need to meet down there. I think we enroll in some classes. We get in some uh, adult student housing and we just make a, a whole thing out of it.
3: If you were going to audit a class right now at Indiana, what would it be?
2: does Archie teach a class like coach Knight used to? Cause that's me. What would, what would Archie teach? Anger management. <laughs> <laughs> which is the class I need. That is yeah. the class I need.
3: It's the class every IU fan needs. <laughs> Truthfully. All right. But let's get to, let's talk about what we don't need anger management for, which is what Terry Morin has done with this program. And, I love her humility because she's clearly supremely confident in what she's doing and what she can do at Indiana, but she's also not afraid to say, yeah, I screwed up on not making good relationships with the team when I first joined and I evolved my basketball strategy. I loved when you got into the wonky stuff where she started talking about how they like to play and she was a defensive minded coach Primarily, and and she still is defensive minded, yet she also knows that she had to open the game up and and evolved. And that's it is hard to find supreme confidence, strength and humility in the same human being. That is a that is a difficult combo.
2: See, I feel real confidence brings that automatically. If you're really confident in who you are, you you are okay to evolve. You're not afraid to evolve and improve and get better. And with her still being a younger coach, and we've talked about with this with Archie being a younger coach, it's like, all right, already they've done some really amazing stuff in their careers to get to this point, but now they have to keep improving. The other coaches in the big 10 and the big national programs are. And so to hear somebody already figuring out how she's, Gotten better just in her time in Bloomington, much less all the other stops. It's really exciting because then you're like, wow, just with already the tweaks you've made to your system, to your own approach to your players, you've got us in the national conversation, which is a place we never were before. So I feel like... she keeps dialing it in and we're gonna be sitting real pretty for as long as, as we can keep her, honestly.
3: I, I think you're right. I also love when she talked about, you know, that thinking all those years, if they only had the right coach, like it's just, yeah. it's like this sleeping giant. <laughs> and of course you and I are both thinking the same thing. Like you're the coach, you are the right <laughs> coach. But, but it's funny cause that's how we all think as fans too, right? It's like, yep. I thought that when I was there, I never understood why Indiana women's basketball was so bad because you grow up in Indiana, whether you're a boy or a girl, and you love basketball and you, you grow up with a ball in your hand. There's a lot of sisters out there who are beating up their brothers playing basketball at a young age. And I never understood why that never translated, but the truth is it doesn't translate for two big reasons, resources being devoted to it and the coach, right? I mean, that's really, that's it. That yeah. is it. And well, now it I, seems like we've got both.
2: And and Notre Dame, Purdue, very competitive as I was growing up. I saw Ruth Riley, county rival school, go to Notre Dame and win a title. Lauren from my high school. Eh, no, I, I went down to Bloomington. It was nice. But then I went down to Duke and I'm just going to go there. So it was like it was it was sort of like Kyle Macy all over again for my generation. But in the, the women's game. So now I feel like the next female prodigy out of Miami County has got to be looking down at Bloomington first and foremost. And what I will say, I have to say when I started doing the homework on this and anybody who does a cursory search on coach Moran, who's a Hoosier, like my stomach turned a little when I saw pictures of her in a Purdue uniform. Totally. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm sure, you know, she's a pro and she's all in on the Hoosiers now, but to get that backstory that she grew up a Hoosier fan in Southern Indiana. Bobby Knight. It was like, yeah, it was like the prodigal daughter story with Tom Allen coming back around to IU. But with her, it was like, yeah, neither of them went to IU or had those credentials that we often want to put on people to be true Hoosiers. It's like so many came from out of state, went to IU and became Hoosiers for life. But that—that's where she was in the beginning. Immediately when she started telling us about all that, I was like, "One of us, one of us, one of us." Yeah, that really endeared me to her. I also had no real sense of her
3: personality before we talked to her. Like I've watched her on the sidelines, I've seen some press conferences, I've watched her at Hoosier Hysteria for the last six years give her speech, but I never got a real sense of what she's like, and my. My uninformed impression was she was a fairly cold person, tough, mm-hmm. but she's not. There's a ton of warmth there that you can understand why these women that play for her want to have the relationship with her. And I I honestly found that piece of it to be the most insightful thing that she talked about, how when she was a kid, and this is like when you and I were growing up, y- you didn't need or even want that relationship with your coach. That wasn't even it wasn't even in your thought process. Nobody was thinking, I'm going to be good friends with Bobby Knight and have dinner with him and get coffee at 10 a.m., you know, and then go grab a burrito. (laughs) Like, that's not something you ever thought about. But she talked about how, like, she had to learn that 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 is just not the case with the young women that are playing for her today. They do want that. They need time out of practice and out of the game situation. They need a personal relationship. And I just thought that that was a really interesting kind of, evolution of where student athletes are today versus where they were before.
2: Well, and I always think of social media and the internet being the biggest difference between when you and I were growing up and playing sports and how it is now. And my initial thought would be like, well, that makes you more insulated from needing anybody in real life, because that's now where you're getting so much of your feedback and your support. But Clearly, that's not accurate because I'm right. I, i, I I'm, so I'm I'm still trying to piece together how does is it is it just that these these kids have grown up in a, a kinder, gentler world where the yelling and the screaming is no longer acceptable at if at least you need to come back around with the pat on the shoulder, the pat on the butt and that, too. I'm not sure, but I like it because I. I think anytime you have more of a personal connection with whether it be your boss or your coach or whatever, I think you're going to do better work for them and vice versa if there's a real personal connection there rather than transactional.
3: I agree with the transactional part. I, I don't – it can't be transactional or else – you it won't work long-term.
2: But that Maybe said, professional basketball players. Maybe in the pros, they can get Yeah, away. then
3: it's different because it's your job. But what we're yeah. talking about here is trying to lead young men and women. And the truth is, like, Bobby Knight didn't have a cozy, warm relationship with any of his players while they played for him. Right. He became a great friend to many of them after. But while they played for him, they thought that they were playing for something bigger than themselves. And the great coaches who may not be touchy feely and warm they do have that and that it's not transactional it's transformational you are you are joining an organization that is bigger than just you and you believe in its in what it stands for and its beliefs and so you will give everything you have to that i think there's still room for that if but that's a unique leader that is a unique leader what you're saying and i agree with is I think because of social media, because of just the proliferation of content and and how nothing is secret anymore and nothing is in context anymore. So like, imagine if back in the day, if Bobby Knights, if every, if every speech that he gave was recorded, if every locker room thing there was a camera on him, he wouldn't have lasted five years because when you take it out of context, and then show it to the world, it, it takes on a much different light. And today there is no secret. Like, I mean, look what's happening with Greg Marshall. Look what ha- happened with Pat Chambers. Nothing is secret. And these kids, everybody has have an outlet to share it with the world, not just your family and friends, right? Because Absolutely. of social media. So it just changes the dynamic. And she seems to have a very good finger on the pulse on how to manage that going forward. And she's also really good at coaching basketball because the teams are excellent. They have been excellent at Indiana over the last few years.
2: It's a really exciting time to be an Indiana women's basketball fan, or frankly, become one. I think so many of us really were like, hey, I should make room in my day, in my night, after that NIT win, you know, when Tyra was doing her thing, the whole, the whole hype started building. And I think it's like what we're seeing with coach Allen is no, this isn't something that's going to get excited for a season or a tournament run and then start breaking your heart again. Like she's, she's clearly built something to last because already with where it's at and where she is sustaining the program, it's far beyond anything we've known. And so even if it stays here or if she can push us up into the very, very top tier and there's some final fours and potential championships coming, great. But already it's in a place where nobody has anything to complain about if we're constantly in the top 25, constantly going to the tournament and always a threat to make a run if all the dominoes fall in the right order.
3: Totally. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the, the um, sometimes why? It's <laughs> just awful. It's just awful. And make sure you go, if you haven't done yet, to ep4trustee.com. ep We can use your support. We're going to make it happen. We're going to change the world.
0: Who's your man to lead us? Who's not a total dud? Who's your brother bleeding? Crimson blue blood. Who's your man demanding what you want and more? Who's you got to get us back to the final four? We got to vote for Eric, man for you and me. We all trust in Eric, future trustee. If you want to see the candy stripe back in the promised land, you best just vote for Eric because so no Who's your man? One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Auto Trader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.